Bills! What a great weekend in sports. What a great weekend. I won't lie to you. I watched a ton of NBA playoffs. I did. And I got to tell you, two biggest enigmas in the history of sports has to be, has to be what? James Harden and Anthony Davis of the Lakers. That game between Boston and Philadelphia was awesome. Series all squared up. Golden State and the Lakers, outstanding another game tonight. NBA's reeling me back in. You know why? It's the cities. It's the fan base. Philly and Boston, always fighting for respect. Golden State, no matter how many championships they win in California, you'll never be the Lakers. You'll never be the Lakers. You're always fighting for respect if you're Golden State. So you're kind of reeling me in, Seth Curry. LeBron, AD, Harden, Embiid. Fun stuff, man. Good stuff, too. It's the first time I would tell you this. It's the first time that I've been reeled in by the NBA playoffs. They're actually selling their sport. We're not getting political agendas. They're actually giving me action. You can't get any better than what you saw in Boston and Philadelphia in that game over the weekend. That was great. I mean, I'm so, shot doesn't get off in time. Hardens through the roof. Enigmas, though. Anthony Davis and James Harden. Throughout the day, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But it was over the weekend as well. The Eagles had their rookie minicamps. And you know what? I listened to Nick Sirianni. I got to tell you something that I'm falling in love with with this organization. Culture. All Nick talked about was showing the young guys what's expected of them. I'll give you a great example of why that's important. You know why the Cardinal baseball team has always been a great baseball organization? Gary Templeton told me this years ago, and Temp played for the Padres, but started his legendary career with the Cardinals. And he told me something about the Cardinals and the way the Cardinals did business all the way back from the 40s, all the way up until today. You know what they do in the minor league system? And again, I'm going to show you how this ties into the Eagles and what they're doing. Templeton said when he got the A ball, I don't know if you guys remember Gary Templeton, but he was a great ball player. And he said, you know, when I was in A ball, we got this book on how to, how to be a St. Louis Cardinal baseball player. And you know what he said? You could take that same book to double A. You could take that same book to triple A. By the time you got to the big club, everything you had learned down on the farm, Nothing changed when you got to the big club. This is some of the mistakes that Major League Baseball organizations make. Somebody does something different at A-ball, you get to double-A, it's completely different. Guys get to the big leagues, they don't know what's expected of them. That's why the Cardinals, in my lifetime, the St. Louis Cardinals have always been a great baseball organization. Always a great baseball organization. Why? Templeton said, you know, when he showed up to the building, 
I knew exactly what the organization wanted me to do, whether it was Whitey Herzog or whomever. Didn't matter, A ball, double A, or the big club. That is so important. And I heard Sirianni over the weekend saying the same thing. He was, he was saying this. He goes, you know, I'll tell you, we spent the majority of the time showing players and showing the rookies what we're expecting of them. How you go to drills, how you get water, how you go to meetings. It was more about what's expected. As a player, all you want to have is people tell you, what are you expecting me? What are my what are my obligations to the organization and how you want me to conduct myself? I'll tell you this. When I got to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I had no idea what they wanted because they never practiced success. The Eagles practice success. They practice it. They teach it. I think that's a great learning curve for young players or any business. What's expected of your employees? What are you expecting your coaches and players to do when they show up to the Novacare Center every single day? And when you know that, it makes your job 10 times easier. When you, when you go to a drill, when you understand what a coach says to you, hey, I want you to do this. We're going to go to this drill next. And I heard Sirianni talking about, hey, it was just really telling the players and giving them a layout of what we're doing. You know, it's, it, it's, it wasn't so much about overloading on what defense to run. It was, in theory, teaching them the eagle way. It was teaching them the eagle way. I loved it. I loved it, man. I, 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 I do. Because when you know that and you show up to a – you know when you're in a place of success. You, you know when you're in a place of success. When the first thing you're taught is what's expected of you. Because I could teach you all the defenses on the planet. But what becomes the most difficult thing sometimes, hey, Jordan Davis, this is what we want from you. Jalen Carter, this is what I want from you. Nolan Smith, this is what I want from you. By the way, we got a huge week set up. Gary Cobb, each and every single Monday, joins us from Fox 29 in Philadelphia. Tomorrow, Brian Baldinger. Thursday, Ice Cube's going to step in with us. I believe George Foreman's going to try to find a time this week. So we're going to have some fun this week here on the National Football Show. So Ice Cube's going to join us 5.30 Eastern on Thursday. And Baldy tomorrow from Tampa. He's there at the uh, Buccaneer rookie camp. So he's going to, I think from the, I think from one buck place, I think he's going to uh, check in with us tomorrow. So we haven't had a time yet, but we're going to find out. We'll get a time with Brian Baldinger from the NFL network tomorrow. So we'll get that and we'll have a great week this week. Karen, we appreciate everybody coming aboard with us. Thank you guys so much. We're going to get to all your takes here in a second. We definitely will. I got to tell you something, man. I heard something else, and I got to I, – I, 
I wish I had this when I went to the Buccaneers. But Hassan Reddick has now become a mentor to Nolan Smith. You know what Nolan Smith said? I have so many questions for him. I have so many questions about being a pro, how to prepare, how to rush the passer. What's the thing you look for when you're in the huddle or when you get to the line of scrimmage? He says, I have a billion questions for him. That is so great. Look at your culture. Your culture is about winning, developing, trust. That's a phenomenal comment made by, boy, I'll tell you something. Guys, I am falling in love with Nolan Smith. I am falling in love with this guy. He commands the room. He gets it. He's smart. He's a sponge for knowledge. I am totally falling in love with this guy. I see why people like him. And when you talk to him, there's something infectious about him. There's something about this player that I want to see success too for. I I love this guy. I he is becoming my favorite eagle. Damn, I I have so many questions for Hassan Reddick. I want to know what he thinks. I want to know what he sees. I want to know what he's... And and I wasn't a fan of the kid when they drafted him. I wasn't a fan. I thought he had talent. I'm falling in love with the guy. I'm totally falling in love with this player. You got dual missiles. Two guys that are on the same page. Do you know how Devon... Hey... You know what made that trade last year work so well with A.J. Brown? Do we not agree the impact that A.J. Brown had on Devontae Smith? Do we not agree A.J. Brown's impact on Devontae Smith was seen at the end result when you look at the numbers? Right? You you, you see the numbers. A.J had a huge impact, in my opinion, on Devontae's development. And you 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 felt it. He, he you felt it, you saw it. I think you're seeing the same thing here. And you got dual missiles now. I think you got a chance to have the two best combinate. Dude, I'll tell you something that the Eagles are building, which is incredible. You guys don't have the best corner in the NFL, but you got possibly the best duo of corners in the NFC, right? You potentially could have the youngest and most talented defensive tackles in the NFC. As of now, you don't have the best DT, but you may one day. And either Jalen Carter or Jordan Davis. Then you turn around and you look at the best dual offensive tackles. The best wide receiver duos. Got to tell you, man. Eagles are doing this right. 
they're doing this right. And they're bringing in quality guys. Nolan Smith is impressing me. The whole thing is, it's, it's, I don't know what's happened since Doug. Would you guys agree with me here? I think the Philadelphia Eagles have a better organization now under Nick Sirianni than they did when they were under Doug Peterson. It just seemed, now we'll find out if some losing happens, how that looks, but do we not agree right now the Eagles are probably in the best place they've ever been in? And that includes even after the 2017 Super Bowl win. You guys agree with me? It's just, things are humming. There's momentum. There's just no let up. It's a commitment to excellence that you used to see with the Raiders. I, I, I've been impressed. I have been more impressed with this offseason than any team I can remember and how they've conducted themselves. Jalen conducting himself like a professional. The draft was handled great. Even though, get this, some people don't think the Eagles really had that great a draft. I'll explain to you. We got a ton of stuff that we're going to hit on. Um, we're going to look at some of the top top offenses and really some of the best off-seasons. Wait till you hear what some folks say. CBS ranked the top draft classes. And as I said, Gary Cobb's going to join us in hour number two. Let's get to the topics. I want to have some fun here with this first one before we get into the second one. Um, Joel Embiid, MVP. Bryce Harper, MVP. Jalen Hurts. Some say would have won the MVP. If he hadn't missed those games, who delivers a championship for Philadelphia first? In your opinion, who is the guy that you think you would lean on that delivers a title? Embiid, Harper, or Hertz? Who delivers that championship first? Andrew says Hertz. Why? Why, Eagle fan? Why hurts? I think there's a simple reason. Hurts. JM says Harper. I'd say Harper. Might be Embiid if they get past Boston. I think the enigma of James Harden puts a wrench in that whole thing, in that whole conversation. I really do. Because I don't know what to expect from him. I think that's also what's making the series compelling. Best overall team, to be honest. Sills, why are the Niner fans still crying? Well, that's what happens when lost opportunity and you had an opportunity to win the NFC championship game and your quarterback got knocked out. And what happens is, what could have been? They're in the land. The Niner fans right now are in the land of what could have been. And when you're in the land of what could have been, it's a purgatory like in a toilet bowl that continues to spin. You can't get out of it. It, 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 will, it will be that way until September. It'll be that way until September, man. 49er fans are in that circular toilet spin right now. 
and they're in purgatory because their quarterback got knocked out. And at the end of the day, guess what? They're in the land of what could have been. I mean, all you can do is put projections on it. Maybe we would have won. Maybe we would have played better. Right? <laughs> That's just where you are if you're a 49er fan. And you can thank your coach for getting your quarterback killed because he doesn't know how to protect quarterbacks. Okay? Niners go five-time Super Bowl champs. Great. Great. John Brody was a good quarterback, too. So was YA. (laughs) Hey, hey. So was Joe. So was Young. Okay? But, again, my friend, you're in the land of purgatory. That's why you're whining and moaning. And I get it. Your coach got your quarterback killed again. And you 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 sit in the land of what could have been. I say this to you. On the fun topic, I say Hertz delivers the first title to these other two men because the organization's great and because the organization's better, because the culture's better. All the things I just got through talking about is because of exactly that. You've got an owner who wants to win. you got a general manager who's innovative. You've got an organization, which is the most important thing you could possibly have, is being honest. Look, I think the Phillies with Dombrowski, I think the ownership that they have, I think they're starting to turn the corner there, especially down on the farm. I think the Phillies are the second best organization in Philadelphia. I think the Sixers are third. The Sixers will always be who they are right now. They're just going to be that way. Because you know why? You don't know what you're going to get each and every single night with Harden and with Embiid. But you know what you're going to get. I would say this to you. Hertz is more consistent than any of these other guys. He's, he's more consistent. I think you know what you get every week with him. Or... When Jalen shows up to work versus Harper, not saying Harper's not consistently a great ball player. He is. But in B, he's up and down. You don't know what you're going to get with him every night. You just don't. Hertz has really taken over that city in such a short period of time. His hard work, his dedication, he embodies the city more so than any player that I can remember maybe I don't know. Go back into the history of that city's great athletes. I think Jalen Hurts really is the hardworking player that he personifies. Jalen's going to, Jalen may, may win a championship here. He may. Big Seals, the fact that Bleacher Report is saying Carter's ceiling is Warren Sapp is a testament of what they think of Carter. Bill, I said he's Jerome Brown. And personally, I think Jerome Brown's better than Sapp. I've always thought that. Jimmy Johnson has thought that. Hey, Bill, I think Sapp's a great ball player. And I see what they're saying about it. But Jalen Carter, to me, is he's 2.0 Jerome Brown. And Jerome's better than Sapp. I played next to Jerome. I know who Warren Sapp is. And I personally think Jerome was better than Sapp. 
Jerome Brown was better than Warren Sapp. I have no problem saying that. I'd say Sapp's probably better than Cortez. He's probably better than Cortez Kennedy. But I would say that, I I would totally say that Jerome's better than Sapp. Jerome's the greatest defensive tackle we've ever had at the University of Miami. Okay? And we've had some great ones. I'd say that he, he's probably the best that we've ever had. We got a stealing Carter. Yes, you got a stealing Carter. Sap thought Jerome Brown was better than him. It's why he wore his number. Um, yes, he wore 70. What number did he wear? At Miami, I forget, 70-something, 76 he wore at Miami. Is Sapp better than Fletcher Cox? Yes. Yes. Fletcher, hey, Fletcher's a borderline Hall of Famer, though. Don't, don't kid yourself. He's a borderline Hall of Famer, okay? He is. All right? He's a borderline Hall, Hall of Famer. Still thought Jordan Davis was Aaron Donald. Never in a million years did I ever think that. Absolutely never thought that. That is not true. I said he's either going to be Fletcher Cox or Vince Wolfark. That's who I said he's going to be. He's either going to be this or this. And he's more looking like Vince Wolfark right now. Um, Listen, I think Fletcher's going to be right there in the conversation. I'm... Hey, look, when, when, when his career is over, you have to put it in the same context that you would put Adamic and Sue. Adamic and Sue and him have pretty much had the same career. But the difference is, is that Fletcher's been in one spot. That means something to me. Eagle fan, that's right. Vince is a great ball player. He's got three Super Bowl rings. There's nothing wrong with being Vince Wolfirk if you're Jordan Davis. Shit, you're hoping he's that guy. Is this the Eagles' best chance at a dynasty? Your two tackles have to pan out. Your two defensive tackles have to... If your two defensive tackles pan out, there's a great chance that this football team is going to continue their success for at least the next six, seven years. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's move on to the second topic here. As we look at these two top first rounders, and as they were going through their drills, I love the fact that the Eagles put up a lot of film of them going through the rookie minicamp. And I love watching Nolan Smith, the way he was moving around, how they're going to use him is going to be interesting to see. I loved watching Jalen Carter move around along with Jordan Davis, seeing everybody out there. Again, spirits are high. I love these rookie minicamps because everybody gets an understanding, as I said, what's expected of you. What player do you think, though, has the bigger impact on the 2023 defense? Jalen Carter or Nolan Smith? Who has the bigger impact? You know, as I was coming on the air, I still was debating this. 
God, Carter's so talented. Carter is so talented. I mean it, man. He 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 is he is so talented. The way he moves, I I, I can't wait to get Brian Baldinger on the program tomorrow because Baldy's with me, man. He loves this guy. To think we might have a young Jerome Brown and Vince Wolfrick right now bleed green. Think about that. The Eagles may have drafted Jerome Brown and Vince Wolfrick in the middle of their defense. Your three technique could be Jerome Brown 2.0, and your one technique might be Vince Wolfrick. Do you you think you're going to win some ball games if that comes to fruition? My God. Then you got an edge rusher that's the heir apparent to Hassan Reddick on the perimeter. Watching these guys in the rookie camp over the weekend, that's what I started thinking. Man, what if these guys. And what did we say? 17 of the 22 guys currently on the football team have been drafted by the Eagles. That's astounding. That's astounding. But what guy has the biggest impact on this defense as we get ready for the 2023? Do you understand something? We're like 60 some odd days out from the start of training camp, July 27th. Look how close we are to the start of training camp. These guys are right here. They're right here. We got June 1 to get through. Hopefully they find some linebackers. But, I, 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 boy, I'll tell you, I, I love Jalen Carter. I just love Jalen Carter. Niner all day says, trade Lance season, baby. Silence the doubters. He sucks. He sucks. Okay? That's Brock Purdy's team. That's not Trey Lance's team. That guy will never, ever be where he was drafted. Ever. They took a gamble on a guy who played in a shit division. And it exploded on them. Trey Lance will never live up to where he was selected and how many first-round draft choices the Niners had to get and give to the Dolphins for them to move into that spot to get him. He'll never live up to that. He will never live up to that. Not in a million years. I haven't seen one thing that makes me go, Trey Lance is worth that investment. And quite frankly, even John Lynch said, when Brock Purdy's healthy, it's Purdy's team. How would you like to have the last guy drafted in the draft being told that this is your football team and the guy that you gave up all those draft choices for is being told you're going to be a backup? You're going to be a backup. If, if, if you're John Lynch, you're praying Brock Purdy pans out. Why? Because at least it'll cover some of the mistake that you made with Trey Lance. I don't see it with that guy. I absolutely do not see it with that guy. Maniac, what's up, my friend? Appreciate you coming aboard. Niners are in a shit division. Rams and Seahawks, I don't think it's a shit division. Hey, hey Cosmo. 
Purdy the chicken wing because of Hassan Reddick. Yeah. Carter will be fantastic, but won't produce like Hardgraves did this year. Smith will be the key to stopping the star tight ends and better in coverage than who left. Can I make a can I make a prediction? Tone, you ready? I'm gonna make a prediction for you here on Nolan Smith. I think Nolan Smith, when everything's said and done, is gonna show more promise than Michael Parsons. There's something about Nolan Smith. There's there's something about him. There's just it's just Michael Parsons loves being a Dallas Cowboy TV star. Nolan Smith wants to be a football player. I think Nolan Smith, when everything is said and done, I think Nolan Smith is going to have a better career than Michael Parsons. And I didn't think that two months ago. I did not. Listening to him, watching him move, hearing him talk about wanting to be around Reddick, asking questions like that, that resonates with being a pro. Now, he's got to go out and do it. But this is a prediction. This is a prediction. There's something about Nolan Smith that's special. I don't feel special for Parsons. I think he's overhyped. I don't really think so much he's overrated. He's just overhyped. Dude, when healthy, I think Chase Young's better. How many people think Chase Young? Rye asks a great question. Can he cover tight ends? RY, I don't know if they're going to ask him to do that. Okay, I don't know that. But when you run a 4-3, he is more physically, I think he's more physically built and he's better physically built than Parsons is. I think Nolan Smith's going to have a better, I think he's going to have a better career than Parsons. I, I think Parsons doesn't show up a lot of times. Yale says he needs more strength to improve a bull rush. Here's something here, though, Yale. I'll take speed over power any day. Speed kills. You run into an offensive tackle, they want you to run into them. Barrett Brooks was right about this kid. He he was right. This guy looks like he's got all the physical tools to be a special football player. The way he runs, the way he plays, you watch him on tape. I think health is probably a little bit of an issue too of the last three years at Georgia. Something that I'd like to see a little bit more. But just listening to him at the rookie camp, I, I, I'm, I'm falling more in love with this guy. I think he's going to be a special football player. I think he's going to be a special player. Okay? Speed and leverage, Eagle fan, I agree. I agree. Now, now, now to get to the question here, who has a better impact? Who has a better chance of having and being used as a weapon more? It's Nolan Smith. I can't wait to see how Matt Patricia uses him. 
I'm sorry, Sean Desai. I don't really know too much about you and how you're going to move these guys around, but I do know how Matt Patricia moved around Vrabel and Bruschi and all those guys when he was the D coordinator along with Brian Flores. So Sean Desai, I don't really know that much how you're going to use him, but I know what Patricia does. Weapon, if Michael Parsons is not having a good game, he quits on the team and pouts. He does. When Lane, when Lane was dominating him, Lane was totally dominating the guy. And then what did he do? Once he got beat, he started shutting it down. Greenblood. Smith and Carter landing in Philly is the best thing to ever happen to their careers. They have great players to learn from. Not only that, Greenblood, but they have a great environment to learn from. As I was saying with Philadelphia and how Sirianni was talking to the young players and telling the media, the number one thing that we do when we're talking with the rookie symposiums and we're talking to these young guys is showing them what's expected of them. Every guy right now is coming out of that weekend knowing exactly what their goals are because they've given what these guys need to do. This is about studying that playbook. Because right now they're overloading the rookies as much as they possibly can. They're overloading them. When you go to these mini camps, they give you as much intel as possible to see how much you retain. Okay? That's what they do. JM says, Nolan, will he so... these t- uh, Okay. Nolan Smith will be benched. Okay? Eagle fans ready to... Okay. Well, they tried to... They tried to touch him in college, and he used leverage to get past them. And remember something. Some of the tackles that were highly drafted and put into the NFL, he beat them. How he turned the draft capital from Wentz trade into Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith. I mean, he, he, he really did. Sidney Brown is going to be better than C.J.? Um, let's wait and see on that one. Because remember something, CJ's not really a good safety right now. He's learning. But his athleticism and his football, his football ability overcame some of the deficiencies when it came to proper run fits. He knew what to do. He totally knew what to do. Okay? I mean, who has the better year, though? Carter or Smith? Man, I, I, Jalen Carter's such a great ball player. I line him up in a three technique and I just wind that dude up and let him run into people. And, and by the way, like I said, I'm starting both guys. I'm starting Jordan Davis and him. I get the Fletcher made 10. I get it. You need these two players to get in there and play. You need these two players to get their feet wet. You need, for the Eagles to be a great defense this year, they have to have these two young ball players starting. I hope they start right out of the gate. Davis and Carter. That's what the Eagles are hoping for. And then you've got Fletcher overseeing it, teaching them the same way Hassan Reddick is helping Nolan Smith. You're passing the torch. 
You've got, and get this, here's the safety net. One of them's not performing well. Fletcher's right there for you. And you've been monitoring his minutes on a pitch count because you know you got an older defensive tackle. I think they got the best of both worlds here. They got a veteran player who they can lean on, and they got two young guys they can count on. I was really impressed watching all the highlights coming out of the Novacare Center this weekend with the young guys. I really was. Sills, what percentage of snaps would you expect Carter to play this year? Man, I'd like to see that number up in the 60s. I'd love to see that. Okay? Yeah, they already have chemistry. Hey, and by the way, I think this has got to improve N'Kobe Dean's chances. I think it's got to improve N'Kobe Dean's chances of playing too. The secondary's loaded. I don't know there yet. The safety position and the linebacker position still concerns me. <clears throat> Who's your starting defense as of May 8th? John asked. Okay. I want my, depending on, listen, I want my weak side linebacker to be Hassan Reddick and my strong side linebacker to be Nolan Smith. Why? Because I want that 4-3-9 in open space covering tight ends and backs out of the backfield and setting the second level edge. My aunt's Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, my tackles, Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, my inside backer, is Nicobe Dean. My secondary is Brown, Edmonds, Slay, and Bradbury. That'd be my dream team. That would be my dream team defense. Again, a weak side, Hassan, strong side because of the speed, Nolan, Josh Sweat, Brandy Graham, Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean, Corners, Slay, and Bradbury, Brown, and Edmonds. That would be my defense. That's my dream. De- I think that's probably what the Eagles are hoping for as well. Dean is on a UNICEF boxes now. <laughs> he was a year ago. That's Hey, and by the way, Hollywood Hogan, that's, a, that's fair. That's fair, okay? That's fair. I I get it. See, to me, that defense makes more sense because you have dual missiles you can rush the passer with. And get this. Look at the setting of the edge. I think Josh Sweat and Brandon Graham did a spectacular job last year at setting the edge, which means teams were not able to get on the perimeter against them. And when you have those guys blanketing that second level like that, that's going to be pretty tough. That's why it's going to be important for those two tackles up front to make sure they stop the run. If they stop the run this year, they could be a better defense. No, because they're not going to have 70 sacks. They're not going to have 70 sacks. They're going to be more limited in that because you're playing against better quarterbacks as well. Okay? Reddick is undersized as well. Seals, did you mention Barnett? I have no interest in mentioning Barnett whatsoever. 
That that ex- dude, it's seven years. It's over with. It's seven years. It's not happening. It's not. It, it, the 70 sacks, you're right. It doesn't matter. I'm not, I don't, I don't care about that number. I care about stopping the run and making impact plays like Reddick did in the NFC title game. Like I said, the reason that the 49er fans, and I get it, are moaning, because one play destroyed their opportunity to get to a Super Bowl. One play from one of the missiles. Now you've got two of those guys. How's Kyle, who's Kyle Shanahan going to put on both guys? Shit, man, he can't even he can't even block Hassan Reddick. Now you're going to put another guy on the other uh, other side. Who a back? Do you understand? There's only what are you going to come out dual tight ends? You're going to come out with dual tight ends to deal with Reddick and with Nolan Smith. I love everything I'm hearing about Nolan Smith. He, he's a sponge right now to Hassan Reddick. I love it. That's how you become a great pro. He's just listening and learning, watching, watching game tape, asking questions. He's not afraid. You know how many times you become like a church mouse when you walk into a place and you're not asking questions to the veteran guys who want to help you? The veteran guys will help you if you ask. Okay, they will ask you. Sills, so take the role of opposing OC. How would you game plan against the Eagles? I would immediately, okay, relative. Here's how I would and what I would do to the Eagle defense. Immediately. I would, I would, I would threaten your linebackers in the middle of the field. And I would attack your safeties and I would first initially start running the ball at you. I want to see if you have fixed it. Two years, you've not really been that great against the run. You were a little better last year on first down. The year before that, you were not good at all. So me, I'm going to run the ball right in between the tackles. And I'm going to run right at the heart of that defense. I want to see if Dean can hold up. And I want to see if those tackles inside can stop the run. That's how I would attack the Eagle defense right now. On on May 8th, I'm attacking the heart of that team because the heart of the team was taken away with Hardgraves, your linebackers, and one of your better safeties is no longer back there. Patrol, Actually, two of them are no longer back there in the secondary. Epps is gone. Gardner's gone. Linebackers are gone. Hardgraves gone. So I'm going to threaten that. I'm I'm gonna I want to see if you have fixed it, and I want to see what kind of defense Sean Desai or Matt Patricia, whomever's calling the defenses. I'm assuming it's Desai. Uh, I I, I want to see how he's going to game plan that. Um. That's exactly correct. Okay, I think Smith is good. I think Smith has all the tools to become something that if he listens to Reddick, I think he's going to be in a position to be on the field. And I'd love to see both those guys on the field. I want to close this one topic up here before we move on here. Um, I think Nolan Smith is going to have a bigger impact this year. 
But then again, I think both these guys have a great chance to have a massive impact. Jalen Carter's too damn good. Too damn good. If those, if those three tackles can have a great year this year for the Eagles, Reddick and Smith will eat. The success of this football team. Look, your corners are going to lock down a lot of the good players. But you're playing. Why, why am I saying Nolan Smith? The reason I'm saying Nolan Smith is because you're playing Josh Allen. You're playing Patrick Mahomes. You're playing Aaron Rodgers. You're playing some of the better arms in the game today. These guys are going to find the open guy. And every time that Jonathan Gannon was going against one of these elite guys, he had troubles. He had issues. Okay? He had issues. So to me, this is going to come down to those three guys, Fletcher Cox, Jalen Carter, and Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis has got a ton of pressure on him. He's got a ton of pressure. JM says, Reddick isn't the player he was in his fourth season. In his first season, I don't care how he was used. It took him time to develop. JM, I don't agree with that. I don't think Arizona and Carolina knew how to use him. I think what they did was they, you know, you know, if you think about even Micah Parsons, how did they find out that Micah Parsons can rush the passer? Their defensive end got hurt. They put his hand in the dirt. All of a sudden, they found out he was an edge-rushing demon, according to them. They found out by mistake that he was a good edge-rusher. So, to me, they did just – Carolina and Arizona, there's a reason why they picked high in the draft. Because they weren't developing players. I think Reddick, once he got here – and they started put how he started putting the talent on the defensive side of the football with more talent. You got a better, you got better play. When they got a Dominic and Sue, okay? When they got a Dominic and Sue and they got Linville Joseph, I thought that's when Reddick absolutely exploded. That's when he looked, that's when he looked like he was somebody who was. The NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Personally, I think in the last eight games of the regular season, I think he outplayed Micah Parsons. But see, you got guys like Skip Bayless and all these Dallas Cowboy homers that are always going to be pimping the Cowboy players. Here's a great example. CeeDee Lamb is going to be paid probably the highest paid salary for a wide receiver in the NFL on his new contract extension. He would be the third wheel in Philly. How many people look at look at CD Lamb and go, "Yeah, that guy's elite." I'm sorry, but you think you you think CD Lamb is better than Stephon Diggs, or Justin Jefferson, or Jamar Chase, or Devontae Adams, or DK Metcalf, or AJ Brown? I mean, when I look at CD Lamb. Do you think CeeDee Lamb is better than Devontae? Or do you think those two guys are comparable? Don't See, to me, I look at CeeDee and go, who would you rather have, Devontae Smith or CeeDee Lamb? I, may, maybe I'm biased here, but I, 
I'd rather take Devontae. I think he runs better routes. I think he is a great – not that Lamb is bad. And plus, by the way, CeeDee Lamb, didn't he play with Jalen? I'm sure Jalen thinks highly of him. I'm sure Jalen thinks high of him. Smith is what better? He's a better route runner. I think he's a better route runner. I think he runs better routes than um, than CeeDee Lamb does. I think CeeDee Lamb could be shut down. And that could also be because, really, Cowboys don't have a number two guy right now. I mean, when, 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 when the Eagles were scrimmaging the Cleveland Browns last year in the preseason, the guys in Cleveland were telling me, dude, this guy, this guy Smith. I mean, this guy runs as good a routes as anybody. And anybody in the league they were talking. CD is a waddle type. Something about a quick twitch with, okay, I see the quick twitch with Devontae. Okay, Cooper Cup has just got a knack for getting open. Cup, Cup has got a knack for getting open. He, he's, 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 he's a pretty good ball player, man. He, he, I mean, there's something about him in open space. I see where you're going there with, with Devontae, too. Is he Cooper Cup? Mm. Quick twitch, get open, good route runners, solid, never get off their path. Cooper's bigger. He's bigger. Devontae's a little more frailer. You know what I mean? I, Devontae... I like Devontae more than I like CeeDee Lamb, but the Cowboys are going to pay that guy $24 million. I guarantee you they put him up in that in that Tyree Kill category. They start paying him that kind of money. And then you start turning around and you're going like this. This is the problem that you have with the Cowboys. Cowboys overhyping and what? Overpaying. Constantly. They do a nice draft and they do a nice job at developing talent. But at the end of the day, the Cowboys do what in the end? They end up becoming a team that's always in salary cap hell and they have to end up cutting players. And before you know it, that's why Dak Prescott starts going the other way. I got to throw a stat at you real quick here. I want to throw this at you about Dak Prescott. This is, this is an amazing number. This is an amazing number. I want to show you this. And this goes to what you guys tell me about Josh Allen. Look, I'm a Josh Allen fan. I love Josh Allen. By the way, top of the top of the top of the hour, we are going to look at the best offenses in the National Football League. We are going to look at the best offenses and the best offseason so far. I'm going to put that together here. So that's going to be at the top of the hour. Also, best draft classes, top 10, according to CBS, not me, according to CBS. So we're going to do that. That's at the top of the hour here. Don't forget, Gary Cobb. Got a great week lined up for you, too. Tomorrow, Brian Baldinger is going to join us, and on Thursday, Ice Cube is going to step in with us. You guys said this about Josh Allen, and I'm, I'm look, I'm not walking this thing back here on Josh Allen because I think Josh Allen is a great talent. But listen to this number over the last 33 ball games. Over the last 33 NFL regular season games. 
and Devontae attacks the football. He does. I think he may. I, I I think he does a great job at creating space, especially down the sideline. Devontae. The last thirty-three NFL regular season games, Dak Prescott has thrown sixty-nine touchdowns and has had twenty-nine interceptions. In the last thirty-three games, NFL, Josh Allen's had seventy-one touchdowns. And 29 picks. Yet we look at Dak and go like this. Dak sucks. Dak's hurting his team. Then you turn around and look at Josh Allen. And Josh Allen and Dak Prescott have the same numbers over the last 33 ball games. Listen to that number again. Why is there one perception on one and not the other? Dak's got 69 TD passes and 29 interceptions in the last 33 NFL games. Josh Allen of the Bills has 71 touchdowns and 29 INTs. Yet we look at Josh Allen as a transcendent player and an up-and-coming superstar in the NFL, and we look at Dak with almost identical numbers and go, that's killing the Cowboys. I say that too. I say that too. But theoretically, over the last two years, they've been the same guy. Callie Green goes, Dak doesn't have Josh Allen's arm. I would say that Allen's a better, but get this. You're right. Callie Green, but here's something you always have to put into context here. So Josh Allen has more talent than Dak, and yet they have the same numbers. And theoretically, the same results. So who would you rather have in a football game? If you had a 60-minute ball game, would you take Dak or Josh? They're the same guy. They're the same player. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, when I saw that number, I was like, wow. I have a completely different take on Dak compared to what I do with Josh Allen. And I defend him here all the time. I think he's more gifted, and I think he's got more quarterback skill than what Jalen Hurts does. I think he's got more skill. But eventually, don't you have to live up to that skill? Look, I I talk to you guys all the time about Jordan Davis, and I say this all the time to you about Jordan Davis. Hey, this guy runs a four seven eight. He's big as a house. Eventually, you got to learn to live up to some of that talent that you have, kid, because you really don't, and you're not productive like that, and you're not productive enough. Josh Allen has the same statistics as Dak Prescott does when it comes to touchdowns and INTs over the last 33 games. So before we start shitting on Dak, including me, Dak Prescott is actually in the conversation with one of the better quarterbacks in the National Football League. Hence, that's why he has a great record in the NFC East. And that's right. Shakir goes like this. It's because he plays with the Cowboys. His interceptions are more magnified than what Allen's is in Buffalo. You're right. You're right. When you do great things in Dallas, 
They're magnified. When you do shitty things in Dallas, they're also magnified. When you play in Cincinnati or Buffalo, you know, your, your, your failures aren't as much magnified. Like, how many times have I brought this up to you guys? You know, this Josh Allen did cost the Bills home field advantage with that stupid fumble in the Viking game. This is what's making Hurts maybe a better field general than Josh Allen. That's a really great comment. Think about it. Who's a better field general? Jalen Hurts or Daniel Jones? Jalen. Who's a better field general? Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen? Jalen. Again, I still think Allen's got more talent. But eventually you got to live up to it. Hey, I think Aaron Rodgers is more talented than Tom Brady. I think he's he does. He's got more talent than Brady. Brady's a better field general when it comes to quarterbacking and getting his football team in the end zone. Right? Yeah, but Hurts. Hurt with his fumble. I get it. I get it. But you know what, Rage? I'm not going to kill Jalen Hurts on that fumble in the Super Bowl. I get it. I totally. It was an effort play. Could happen to anyone. It could happen to anyone. If you notice, I've never killed him on that thing. Okay? Hurts is definitely better than both. As a gen- field general, not talented. Josh is inconsistent and tries for the home run. I think he plays a little bit of uh, Carson Wentz ball. I'm with you. I think he plays a little Carson Wentz ball. Yeah, I, I think they've got to clean it up up there with uh, Ken Dorsey and those guys coming up this year. I think they definitely have to clean it up. No question about it. Best off seasons. Who has had the best off season in the National Football League? Love the camps. Dude, I I had a really great time watching a lot of those guys talking coming out of the Novacare Center. I really did. These guys are ready, man. There is a great momentum coming out of that building. CBS has listed their top draft classes. Josh Allen overrated? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. He's not overrated. They did win 14 ball games. Okay? They did win 14 games. He's not overrated. He does make mistakes, though. And he, the, one of the reasons he makes mistakes is because of the high percentage turnover plays that he has. Jalen doesn't have high percentage turnover plays. He, he doesn't. He, he's not going to turn the ball over. I'm going to say it one more time to you guys. I would rather have a quarterback that has 22 touchdowns and six interceptions than a quarterback that has 31 touchdowns and 18 picks. I, I, I'd rather have the lesser turnovers and the lesser touchdowns. Because this is the convenient thing that Jalen does. Jalen could get you 10, 15 more touchdowns or 11 more touchdowns, what? Running the ball. And those are high percentage plays versus a plus 25 play. See, the Eagles play turnover ball. They're not going to turn it over. 
They don't care if Hurts ever throws for 30 touchdowns. It's not important. What's important is you don't want to see a high turnover. You just don't want to see high turnovers. That's what started killing Carson Wentz's career in Philly was the turnovers. Pat, 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 sack, fumble, field goal, touchdown, poor field position. How many times did you see that? It was Carson Wentz football at its best. Right? Jason goes, do you think we are a step ahead of other teams with the way we have joint practices and running and orientation? I would mimic that practice style. Jason, I love that, what they do, because they're teaching their guys, again, what the Eagle way is. Absolutely. But those controlled scrimmages seem to be where they're getting more out of the development and evaluating of the players than the exhibition games. I think, Jace, they look at those exhibition games now, and to me, it wouldn't shock me one day if you just start seeing the NFL airing those controlled scrimmages and ending exhibition football. The exhibition football is becoming a point now where some organizations use them, some organizations don't use them. So to me, I think these guys, like, I would, how many, would, would you agree? Howie probably right now, would you agree? Howie probably right now, you think he knows 90% of his roster and what it's going to be September? You think he knows right now 90% of what that roster is going to look like? And how he's, remember, you, you go to camp with 90 guys. You have to be down, I think it's 90, June 1. I think he already has a sense of what and who's going to camp with him. But but Marky Dan goes, no, I'm going to say here's why. Because there's not a lot of holes to fill. You got a right guard to fill. You got depth in the O-line. You got to figure out your defensive tackles. You got to figure out your linebacker position. And you got to figure out your safety position on how that's going to look, how that's going to look. I wish the 49er fans would go stick up for the Seahawks. Stick up the Seahawks like, hey, it's all good, dog. Hey, the, this is the rival. You should welcome that. Hey, Biz, you should welcome the Niner guys in. Because for them to get to the Super Bowl, they got to beat you. And maybe the Eagles... No, they have to beat San Francisco as well. It's all good. This would make hey, here, here's the issues with San Francisco. Your quarterback, man, and your coach. How many big games are you gonna sit there with Kyle Shanahan before you start to go like this? He shit the bed in the Super Bowl. He couldn't protect his quarterbacks. He got Purdy killed. Doesn't it ever get to a point? Where you do this about Kyle Shanahan? If not now, son, when? Are you going to continue to go down this route with Kyle Shanahan? I mean, Jim Harbaugh got to the Super Bowl. And, and I get Shanahan has too. But every time Shanahan gets to the Super Bowl, he stinks the joint up. I mean, when does it get to the point, like Tone says, how many years are you going to let Kyle Shanahan put his name on the test before this guy eventually has to pass the bar exam? You can't call yourself a lawyer 
because you take the bar. I mean, <laughs> I know we stayed at a Holiday Inn Express, but that don't make you a lawyer, son. You got to actually pass the bar. Bad luck. Yelko's bad luck. So wait, RG3? Okay. I think they brought him. But 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 watch this here, Yale. So they brought RG3 back too soon in Washington, right? Could we do that? How many people would look? This this goes out to Niner guys. Hey, Niner all day. So when he was there in Washington, do you agree? They probably brought RG3 back too soon. You think that's fair? They brought him back too soon, right? He wasn't completely healed. Allen is what Wentz could have been. Same style of play, totally different outcomes. Agreed. What, right? Well, didn't they put Brock Purdy back? Didn't, didn't they put Brock Purdy back in the game when he had a completely injured arm? What would make you think that that's coincidence? He sent Purdy back out there. They had, they had RG3 back on the field too soon. He got Trey Lance banged up. He got Garoppolo banged up. I mean, you think that's all coincidence? Or desperation? Doesn't it come off more desperation? It, it's like desperation to get to the game. You see, because I think that one thing is still going to always be over Kyle Shanahan. Hush, you had the biggest lead in Super Bowl history. And you shit the bed in the second half against Brady. You had a shot to beat him. And he took it from you. It, it, it was like in the last of the Mohegans. You know when that Indian chief reaches into that, that English officer's chest and pulls his heart out? And goes like this. I don't know why I see Brady like that. Am I right? Remember in Last of the Mohegans, if any of you have seen that movie, when that guy just cuts that guy's heart out, reaches in there, pulls that in English general's heart out, goes like this and squeezes it. <laughs> I'm like, how come I how come that reminds me of Brady doing that to Kyle Shanahan? <laughs> He just just grabbed it right there in the second half. Brady just grabs his heart and just squeezes the shit out of it. All right, I got to take a timeout. Best off seasons. I don't know why I'm hollering. Um, CBS ranked the best draft classes. I want to hit on that. Gary Cobb at the bottom of the hour. Hit the like button, hour two. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. 
So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. National Football Show. We're going to get to the teams that had the best offseason so far. Please hit the like button, Gary Cobb, bottom of the hour. Before I do that, I want to hit on something here. Um, there was a very unfortunate situation. Let me ask you something here. Guy makes a mistake on the air. Drops the M-bomb. Should he be fired if it's a mistake? Should he be fired? This happened over the weekend. Um, a friend of mine, by the way, Glenn Kuyper, who is Dwayne Kuyper. That's his brother. Works for the Oakland Athletics. And they've been in the Bay Area forever. And I know Glenn and I know Dwayne. And it is really offensive. Like, I... But here, he opened up his show by dropping the N-word. Who in their right mind would think that he was doing that on purpose? And he would open up a broadcast. And you know it's a mistake. Um, I said something on the air, too. I got fired. Here's my problem with it. Our society picks and chooses who to go and defend. You don't know Glenn Kuyper. You don't know any of those people. Can people make mistakes? Yes. And again, I'm not condoning him using it. 
what I am doing is condemning the people who judge it. Only one person can judge us. But it seems that if somebody makes a mistake, my problem is, again, we pick and choose who to defend. All of a sudden now, Howard Stern is some sort of defender of the faith. When this guy was one of the biggest racists in the history of broadcasting, people forget that. Should he be fired? He's A lot of people love him. I do too. He's a good dude. I know him. I worked with the brother because I did the San Francisco Giants postgame show when I worked in the Bay Area. I know who he is. Now, can you tolerate that kind of language on the air? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You cannot. But not one of you know whether or not he's a racist or not. You don't know that. So you're going to condemn a guy for making a mistake, even though you don't know whether or not he's a racist, but you're going to condemn him for it. Because he makes a mistake. You know what happens? It's the idiots in my business who pick and choose who they're going to defend, who the media does. You understand that? It's not you. Because most fans do believe in people getting second chances. Did you guys believe in Michael Vick getting a second chance when he got out of prison? I did. I'm never going to forget that chapter in his life. But did I think that he did restitution? He did 18 months in Leavenworth for what he did. Did I think he deserved another opportunity? I sure did. I sure did think he did. And I'm an animal guy. But I thought Michael Vick deserved an opportunity to get his life back on track again. And and, and I, hey, do I look at a guy like Ray Rice? I cheer Ray Rice today. I cheer Ray Rice. You know why? Ray Rice got caught on tape doing one of the most despicable things you can do. Punching a woman in the face the way he did. You know what Ray Rice was? Ray Rice was one of the most revered men in Baltimore. One of the most revered men. And they tried to do everything to bring him back. You know what he said? No, I got to be a better man. Now they have a great family. They've been married for a long time. He goes around talking to rookies on rookie symposiums on what to do, what not to do, how one thing could just destroy everything in your life. To me, Ray Rice is a role model. Showed you you could have all of it. Have it taken away. And then build yourself up to be a better man. Ray Rice is a better man today. Got a lovely, lovely family. Wonderful human being. Raise a good man. Good people do bad things or make mistakes. It's our society that cuts the pie up. And it's society that castrates certain people in this country. You'll forgive Joe Biden for saying something racist, but you won't Trump. Because you don't like Trump. You tolerate Biden. That right there is a prime example of our country. See, to me, I, I treat people for face value. If I don't know you, you made a mistake, 
I think everybody has a right to write the ship. I'm going to give you a second chance. I'm not going to go by whether I like you or not. I'm going to go by whether or not, because it's a reflection of me. Again, I'm not preaching to you here, but I find it's a really great exercise right now on what's going on. They took me off the air. It was the people in the media that did it. Not you. Not you. The people in the media call me a racist, but not Glenn Kuyper. It's a really great exercise. I learned it now. It's the people that are in my industry. It's the people in the news industry. That's why you have networks screaming at each other, calling each other racist and homophobic and all this and that. You don't know that guy from a can of paint. What an exercise you're watching here. I hope Glenn Kuyper keeps his job. He should be suspended probably for the rest of the year, though. You can't drop that and say that word. You, you, there has to be some punishment and damage for that because that's you, you, can't, you can't tolerate that. Okay? Let's move on. Something that the Philadelphia Eagles do. Has Howie ever apologized for not doing a good enough job as general manager? I'm going to make a point to you here. Eric DaCosta came out today. Um, I haven't done a good enough job putting players around Lamar Jackson. I need to do a better job. Eric DaCosta, the Baltimore Ravens, fell on the sword to smooth things over as a good general manager should. I think Baltimore has a great organization. I think they do great things. Okay. Howie Roseman has become such a great GM since the Doug Peterson fiasco. It's mind-numbing. We have to do a better job at setting the culture here in Philly. They have. You fired a Super Bowl coach. You got rid of a guy you gave a contract extension to. And you know what? At the end of the day, that organization recognized their mistakes. But you know what they weren't afraid of? Going down that same path again. They went down that same path and gave Hurts the contract. Probably a little too soon for me, one year. But they have so much faith in him. He has built up so much faith. How he went like this. No. I'm going to continue to put great people around this kid. And I'm going to continue to put people around him. I'm going to continue to build this roster. I am not letting up. I am not getting off the gas pedal. If I'm going to pay Jalen Hurts this money, I'm going to make sure that this guy has the best roster he possibly can. I didn't think it was possible, but he's done it. Eric DaCosta now sees what Howie Roseman's doing. And that's why he apologized. Because you know why? You can pay your guy the money. Howie figured it out. But you can also, at the end of the day, 
keep putting good players around him. How he's making every general manager in the NFL second-guess themselves in how they're tooling their teams around their high-priced quarterbacks. He's changed the game. Do you guys agree? He's changed the game. San Francisco can't figure out the quarterback to save their life. They've got half of the equation figured out. They've got a great roster. They've got a great roster with no leader. And they can't figure it out. How he goes, well, here's my guy. Here's how we're going to continue to build. I think the number one thing and how Roseman has built this football team is coming down to this. He believes in that kid, and that's why they gave him the money. Jalen believes in the Eagles, and what they got was a double-edged sword here and how they're going to attack other teams. The Eagles have a business partner in Jalen Hurts the same way the Patriots had a business partner for 20 years with Brady. You're going to pay me? Fine. Here's the off-ramps for you in case you want to get out of the deal. Jalen is so comfortable and confident in himself. He's given the Eagles the opportunity. You don't want to be in my business? You don't want to be in a Jalen Hurts business? No problem. Other teams will want to be in the Jalen Hurts business. You know what, Jalen? You're right. Here's a no trade. Here's the majority of the money up front, front-ended, front-ended contract. They got a business partner. Now every general manager is looking at all, like if you're the Giants and you cut that deal with Daniel Jones, are you not killing yourselves in that front office going, how did they do? Look at, look at the cap hits. Look at the Giants in three years because of Daniel Jones, they're not going to be able. They're not going to be able to put a football team together because of the lack of cap. They're just not. I mean, unbelievable, unbelievable. All right, let's bring in my friend Gary Cobb. Gary. camp and I watched what those guys were doing. The number one thing that impresses me the most about what the Eagles are doing with their rookie guys yeah. is that they're teaching them the Eagle way, what's expected of them. I think that's been one of the key things here since Howie's taken back over again as general manager is that that culture in that building has to be at an all-time high right now. And as you know, Gary, when you come to the NFL, you're like this. Yeah. Me. Where do That's I right. go? What do I do? They're teaching more of that than really overloading the playbook. I think it's remarkable on how they're acclimating these young guys. Well, you know, and I think that they, they've got a system. Um, they're, they're very structured. And they're not going to be babying them, you know, because I don't think you can do that. And they're going to put them in there. And, you know, when the big boys get in there and everybody – they're going to tell them, jump in there. We expect you to do your job. And I think that type of demand, those are the winning systems, you know. Uh, and, and really, um, they're not going to, like, like Jalen Carter. 
they're not going to be holding this hand like you're the number one pick. Look, we expect you to come in here and do your job and play. So they're going to be pushing him, and I, I think he's going to get some, you know, some good tough love from his teammates too. I mean, they're going to, you know, they're going to say, hey, man, we're for you. You know, you're one of our guys. But we expect you to do your job. And so that type of demand, I think, is, is what, you know, brings the best out of guys because competition, you know, he's going to be in there. I mean, you look at the, the Eagles' offensive line. You know, these guys are going to come out, come out after him. I mean, I'd love to see the battle <laughs> between, <laughs> between him, you know, and, and some of their big guards, you know. They're going to have some good battles in there, and these guys are physical, and you know they're loving for uh, loving to get a hold of him, and uh, you know I'm sure that he's got some things to learn, but but he's got he's got the ability. All he needs is the push, and you know, some time in there. I expect big things out of him this first year. He's further along than Jordan Davis last year. I mean, Jordan Davis was kind of one dimensional. He he's more skilled, run. isn't he? He look he looks like he's more skilled than Jordan Davis, uh, Jalen Carter. He, he's uh, more skilled and, uh, you know, he's better with his hands. He's just much, uh, he's, he's, he's way ahead of him, you know, because you can see why people said, well, he might be the best player coming out in the draft because you see him anytime he got one-on-one, man. I mean, he, he's in the backfield. The guy was living in other great hands. Backfield, yeah. He's got great, great hands. hands. He's quick. And, uh, but the thing that he's going to need is, you know, that good old fashioned work, meaning that, He's going to get pushed. He's not going to have time off. You know, uh, I think he was able to dominate, you know, in the previous, uh, on the previous level. You know, of course, you know, this is the NFL. You are going to get beat sometime. You are going to come in there and you're going to have a guy going against you. He's going to win some. You're going to win some. But, you know, you just want to win more than him. And I think he's capable of doing that. So I expect him to play right away. Gary, um, I'm falling in love with Nolan Smith. There's just a presence about this guy when he's in front of the mic or he's yeah. in the room. You watch him running through drills. I yeah. mean, he's got a leadership quality about him, and I'm totally rooting for this guy. You know, if you had to pick between Nolan Smith and Jalen Carter, I mean, boy, I, you know, well, which one mature. of these guys do you think has the better chance of really being more of an impact? Both these guys, I think, are – they could be impactful players in their first year. Yeah, uh, they most definitely can. Uh, the thing is, is you know, how much time is Nolan Smith going to get? I mean, you, you know he's not taking Riddick's job. He's not going to start over Riddick. Um, you know, uh, you know they, they've got a couple of other guys that are good pass rushers to coming outside. I, I don't know that I, I see him uh, being able to start. You know, so, so you don't you don't you don't you don't think that you would want to see both of those guys on the field at the same time and having dual missiles and using that four three nine in the wide wide field and having him out there covering the perimeter of the backs and the tight ends and maybe you put Reddick on the weak side and rush Reddick on the weak side. I mean, think of this: you have Josh Sweat and Brandon Graham setting the edge, and in your second level edge setters, you have Nolan Smith and you have. Um, Hassan Reddick. I mean, that's a that's a that's an well, offensive that's an offensive uh, coordinator's nightmare. Isn't well, it? well, well, the thing I'm I'm, I'm missing 94, 94 is who I'm thinking. Anyway, uh, he's going to start. I mean, he's a player. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not able to pick up his name right now. But he was, you know, he had ten sacks. He had more than ten sacks last year. So a guy that's having more than ten sacks last year, and he's young. You know, um, and I just can't place his name right away. 
But Ooh, Josh Sweat? Josh Sweat. That's who. I, I don't think he could come in and take Josh Sweat's job. You know why? I think Josh Sweat might be their best all-round defensive end. I mean, he plays the run well. He's a great pass rusher. Uh, he does it all. He's, he's a pro. I mean, I think he's at a Pro Bowl level type of player. So I don't know that I see him taking his job, but I think he's going to force his way onto the field. I mean, and that says something like that. We've got Riddick on one side, Josh Sweat on the other, and the guy forces his way on the field. You, you got to be able to play. And, and so I do see that because I think he just got incredible. Uh, I see his burst off the corner. As, as, as low as he can get and as fast as he can get coming around the corner, NFL offensive tackles hate they hate guys like that because they don't like to get low and they don't like that kind of speed coming around the corner. He's faster than Reddick. Yeah. And Reddick was giving him headaches coming around the corner with speed rushing. He is going to be a pain in the butt. So I do think he's going to get on the field. It's just a situation where you're going like, we got to let this kid on the field. You know, but sweat has already got, he got two sacks last game. How can we take him off the field? So that, that's the problem they have, which is a good problem. You know, Gary, what what do you think you have more concerns about more or not concerns, but question marks, the play of Jordan Davis and the Kobe Dean? Uh, I probably would say uh, Davis, but, I, you know, I mean, I say that because I don't think that they uh, will have to push him as much. So I probably would go with Dean because he's probably going to play more, you know, and, he, and he's, he's playing a very important position. So I would probably say Dean, he is the guy that I look at and I say, boy, we need this kid to step up this year, right now. He's got to step up from game one. And, and I, I think he's going to be in there, you know, making calls. So you got to not only, well, you know, I, I just wonder how much they're going to put on his back. Because maybe they don't do that because he's, a, he's really a rookie, like, playing-wise. And they don't want to put too much, you know, in his basket initially. But... Um, but he's got to come in and play. Uh, but the thing is, he's a smart kid, though. So I think he'll be able to pick it up. Do me a favor, Gary. You've yeah. been around the team, and you're always around the team. What are the roles of Sean Desai and Matt Patricia going to be? I mean, are- Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Are we going to have, like, dual DCs or, I mean, what? Get this. Matt Patricia's not even on the Eagles official website. Yeah. What's 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 the roles here in what we're gonna see and what the impact that these two men are gonna have on this defense? Are they gonna run the same stuff as a year ago? What's gonna be their impact? I, I really think you know Desai is gonna be the defensive coordinator. But I think Patricia is gonna be project guy. Uh, like they want they, let's say they want to put together a nickel package. Uh, they want a nickel package, a nickel blitz package, things like that. I think he's going to be in specific areas where, uh, you know, if they're having problems, I think uh, with the running game, uh, that's going to be him. I think he, they're going to have him go to hot spots. If, if, they, if there's a position that's really struggling, you know, I think that he'll be given, uh, you know, a position to go look at. Because uh, 
you know, you can't have both. You can't have two defensive coordinators. Or, or what you do is one of them focuses on the run defense, one focuses on the pass defense. But I think they're going to be given specific assignments, especially Patricia. I can't see how you name the other guy the defensive coordinator. I think he comes in, and I couldn't even see Patricia reporting uh, to Nick. You know, I could see them doing something like that because they wouldn't want them, uh, you know, like two co-coordinators. No. You know, Gary, let me, let, me, let me throw this at you. I talked to Jimmy Johnson about the strengths of Matt Patricia and why he thinks he's being brought in, and you tell me. Okay. One of the th- characteristics of those, Brian Flores, Bill Belichick, and Matt Patricia defenses was all the multiple looks and all the disguises that they had. And this year we're going to be taking on Aaron Rodgers, Josh yeah. Allen, Patrick yeah. Mahomes. And what that guy was, one week, you know, you'd have a defensive end. He would have a great game. The next week he's deactivated yeah. because – he didn't match up with the personnel that they were playing that one particular week. So to me, Jimmy says that he's more of a guy that could come in there disguising and designing yep. disguise coverages, and he's got more experience on that because that was the mantra of the Patriot defense. Do you see yep. that? Maybe what his skill set is being brought into? I, I could definitely see that. See, but that's the kind of thing where you got a specific area where he's dealing with. And, and I think probably I could see him branch it off into some other areas, too, depending on what is the issue. You know, uh, they would want him to be able to come in. And I think he feel comfortable that he can address, you know, uh, different problems if, that they're having. But but what you just talked about there, I could see Patricia doing that uh, because uh, really that's a lot of the game, especially you're talking about these skilled quarterbacks. You know, and, and I will say this. The Eagles have a smart team. They've got a bunch of players who are smart football players. Uh, you got guys with experience, you know, their corners, seasoned guys who know what they what they're doing and would know how to show different looks subtle. They know to show a different look subtly to, let's say, you know, some of these guys they are going to be playing. And I think they definitely have the people to do that. And again, you know, that kind of leads us what you, you know, you, what you were talking about is that, uh, you know, how some of these younger guys, how they're going to be able to step in and lead the way and make the right calls and all that type of stuff. It's going to be interesting, but you know, but but you got a lot of seasoned players. I, I think the veteran players will take the new players, especially the younger ones, take up under their arm and and, and give them the pat on the head. Uh, but you know, dress them down when they need to. But during the game, you know, give them that stabilizing effect. Well, like let's let's just relax, man. You're going to be all right. So they're going to need some of that, especially early on, because you you never really see a uh, a young player just come in and light it up all the way without making any mistakes. They usually make some mistakes. Two last questions for you. Gary, yeah. going into, as we get ready for June 1, where there'll be some veteran players released as the salary cap, and you got to get to 90. Yeah. Um, your biggest concern right now still, safety or linebacker position? Well, because of the importance of the spot, it would be safety. You know, I, I, think, I think it would be safety because, you know, you're going to be making open field tackles. You miss a tackle, the guy's gone. So – you got, you know, uh, some guys who you're not sure about. Gary, uh, do you think answer. people have underestimated how good Kaiser White played last year? Uh, I, I think that, I think probably so. Well, he's such a good pass defender. And, you know, it's a pass game. It's a passing league. Uh, and he's an excellent tackler out in open field. You know, he's really, you know, uh, a, a, sla- a, uh, a linebacker slash safety. 
See, he's really kind of a tweener, but he's a good open field tackle tackler. And that's what they're going to have to do. You know, your safeties, especially in the game nowadays, where teams are slick enough, they're going to get guys out in open field. you got to be able to make open field tackles. And he did a great job of that. And I, I think as a team, they did a very good job. But their safeties are going to, they're going to have to tackle out in open field. And, you know, if you don't bring this guy, this guy down, a lot of times he's taking it to the house. Last question for you. Are you comfortable with the running back room right now, adding DeAndre Swift? Do you think they have enough to replace 1,300 yards and 11 touchdowns? Well, you know, the thing I'm concerned about is injuries, you know? You got Swift and Penny, injuries. They got to stay healthy. I think if they stay healthy, they're fine, you know, because Penny's a great inside runner. He's tough and everything. You know, Swift is the guy that got the speed to take it, you know, all the way all the time. And he's great in open field, great in your pass receiver and everything. But the thing that concerns you is they've they both been injured, uh, especially Penny so much. And Swift has been banged up too. And, and in fact, uh, I kind of know probably why he's here because, uh, it seemed like um, they got a little – maybe they didn't think he was playing through injury as much as he should have been in Detroit, you know. And so th- that's probably why he's here. Gary, do you, do you think the Eagles regret moving on from Miles Sanders? Or is that yet to be determined? Uh, I think it's yet to be determined. But I, I think they knew it was coming, though. They, they just don't believe in, in paying running backs. And they believe in running back by committee. So how can you give a running back a boatload of money – knowing that he's only going to play a certain number of snaps in the game, uh, I, I just, it's just not something they believe in. They believe in running back by committee. It's worked so far. I think they're going to stay with it. Uh, so I don't think that they are, you know, I tell you what, uh, if, the, if these guys are stinking up the place, though, <laughs> they, will, they, will, they, will, they will miss him later well, on. Well, because oh. all the money that they spent in the offseason, yeah. they could have basically paid – they really could have to yeah. keep Miles Sanders in the building, and yeah. I mean, look, Miles had a history of being injured himself. I mean, but, but you know, he had he's a, had a history too of yeah, going down. But he had had a great year last year. I mean, you know, you can't argue what thirteen hundred yards. Yeah, you can't argue with that. I mean, he did a good job for him. Still, at times they didn't like the way he's trying to take everything outside. But that's just a little thing. I mean, for the most part, he was north and south, hanging on to the ball. He wasn't putting the football on the ground. So if they could get that same year out of one of their running backs, you, you know they would love to have that. So I think they might look back and, and, and they, I think they would felt comfortable with Miles because, you know, you, you know he knows this offense and there's certain things he was very consistent with and he knows how to run behind this line too. So Absolutely. Gary, thank you so much, my friend. Good deal. Have a good one. You got it. That is Gary Cobb there from Fox 29 in Philadelphia. I'll say this to you. I think that's a question that um, still has to be answered yet. You think the Eagles regret moving on for Miles Sanders? You think that they've – how about this? Have they replaced the talent? And see, I, 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 go, I go here with – I go here with Miles. I'm not going to pay $7 million. See, I think Carolina paid $7 million for a guy who had one career year. Didn't even have a touchdown run the year before. He had a career year. Everybody on the Eagles had a career year. Do they have enough talent in that room to cover for what Miles Sanders did a year ago? 
Miles put up a lot of yards. Tone says, I think they've replaced the talent. The question is, can they replace the production? I love DeAndre Swift. I'm a huge DeAndre Swift fan. Okay? Hey, Sills, I'm shipping out the boot camp tomorrow, so I want to be attending the show, but I love your show. And we'll watch when I come back in August and back at college. Also, I love the Dumbo Samuel take. Harry. Hey, man. Thank you. Thank you. For defending our country, dude. It's an honor. (laughs) I should be paying you. Thank you. It's an honor, man. Going to boot camp. Thank you, Harry. Thank you for all you do, man. There's nothing like, you know what? We talk about the Eagles, the greatest team in the United States. (laughs) It's our armed forces and the people that serve it, the men and women. That's the greatest team in this country's history. Okay? You guys are the greatest team. You guys are what everything's all about, man. It's the reason I could talk to you every day. Because the people like Harry take a time out of their life to go and support America and defend it, no matter what your politics, creed, or color is. When you're in a foxhole, nobody gives a shit what your color or politics are. That's a beautiful thing about being in a foxhole. Who cares, man? It's about the dude next to you. That's why sports has a lot in common with that. Nobody gives a shit what your color is when you're on your D-line. You're down 10. And I'm, I'm making mental comparisons, not life comparisons, because you put your ass on the line all the time when you're in the military. But, dude, when, you, when you're down 10, it's raining, freezing. You got your buddy next to you. You're both hurt. Nobody gives a shit about your politics. That's the greatest thing about sports. And the unfortunate thing about our society today, people look at you now and they judge you by your politics or your religion. I don't give a shit what your religion is. I respect it. And I do respect it. You could have completely different thinking than I do. That doesn't mean I don't think you're a good person. Somehow that's got tied into you being a shithead or whatever. If you're a Biden guy, you hate him. If you're a Trump guy, you can't stand him. Hey, I don't identify with Trump. I don't identify with Biden. I identify with Harry. You know why? Because Harry's an American. I tell people this all the time, man. I don't root for anybody when it comes to politics. I root for the United States of America. (laughs) That's what team I'm on. I'm not on Team Trump. I'm not on Team Biden. I'm on Team USA. Keep politics out of sports. Unfortunately, Latin, you can't. Because now you've got dudes that are playing women's sports and they're attacking the fabric of women's sports and women's rights in this country. It's crazy. Dudes do not belong in women's sports. And it's sad to see certain women athletes like Brittany Griner defending that. See, don't you understand when you, when you do that, you attack title nine, you attack title nine with that. 
all the things that women have done in this country and all the years they have fought for equal pay and all of that, allowing dudes to come in and play uh, women's sports is an assault on women's sports and women and their rights. I mean, there's a reason we have chicks' bathrooms and guys' bathrooms. There's a reason for that. It's crazy. I just don't get it. And you see people like Billy Jean defending that. I don't know how you take women's rights away from them because you want to be on a political agenda. That is so awful. It just makes no sense. Dudes do not belong in women's sports. Okay? They do not. And, and by the way, I have nothing against you except that. Okay, you want to identify as whatever. Have at it. Whatever you want. But when a guy plays against my daughter in rugby and breaks her jaw, then I got a problem with it. Then I got a problem with it. All right. Best off seasons. CBS has ranked the best draft classes. We got a ton of stuff to get to yet. Also, before we take a time out here, I want to send some condolences to the Bay Area. Hey, Niner, one of my dearest friends passed away over the weekend. I used to talk sports in the Bay Area, as many of you know. And I was on KMBR 68. Then I was on the Ticket 1050. And I talked there for about five years. And I got a chance to become friends with Vida Blue. I mean, Vida's one of the... How many people have an MVP, a Cy Young, three World Series rings, and the owner of three All-Star Game wins? Very few people. One of the absolute greatest people I've ever been around was Vita Blue. He passed away at the age of 73 over the weekend. What an absolutely spectacular man. Fought for rights. He was so iconic with that big leg kick. Played in the Bay Area the majority of his career with the A's and the Giants. Then he, I think Kansas City, too. He was with the uh, Royals. What an absolutely great, great superstar pitcher he was. All right. Please hit the like button. We will look at the teams that had the best draft classes. Then at the top of the hour... We're going to look at some of the teams that had the best off seasons. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement. But would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 
58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left, I fake a mom. Mama, go, oh, mama! She did it. Again, you can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. schedule is going to be a little delayed. You know why? Eagles Chiefs Thursday night NBC baby. Whoa! Arrowhead. Holy shit. Dude, you got to kick the season off with that. You've got to kick I don't want to see Bengals and Chiefs. I don't want to see any of that shit. I want to see the Super Bowl again. They got one 115 million eyeballs on it. The most watched television show in history. Why wouldn't you want to do that again? And you can't, listen, you don't want to play that game later in the year. What if Hurts or Mahomes is hurt? Okay, what, what, what if they're hurt? Nah, man. What that game? Got to get that game there, man. At Arrowhead Thursday night. Can you see Jalen walking into that building? Andy Reid. Nick Sirianni. Howie Roseman. Brett Feach. Holy shit, it's like a Eagle reunion. Half the Chiefs building are Eagle guys. But be, be, right? Half the building is 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 
is Eagle dudes that are in that cheese building. Want the 49ers? Ah, what the 49ers, man? I want to, dude, I want to beat Ali. I want to beat Ali. I want to start my season off with, hey, I would ne- I'm never that guy. Hey, why don't you give me an easier opponent to come rolling into the season with? Screw that. I want the Chiefs. If I'm the Eagles, I want them. You imagine what that season would look like if they knock off the Mahomes Chiefs in their own building on opening night of the NFL season. What that'll do for the Eagles? I Don't you want to beat the champ? No, I'll take on Washington. Screw that. I don't want to take on some lesser dude. I want the king. Only way for you to become the king is beat the king. I hate people who go, hey, you know, I'll take the lesser opponent. Not me, man. No way. I don't like playing tomato cans. I oh wait. So wait a minute. Let me get this right. Some people want the Eagles to take on Spider Rico. Who'd you fight? Spider Rico. He's a bum. You think everybody I fight's a bum. Why they? <laughs> okay. Don't settle for Spider Rico. Settle for the Chiefs. <laughs> Want the rematch, man. And then maybe get this. Then you get another one in the Super Bowl. You get Chiefs and Eagles. So the Eagles beat them on opening night. Get it? They beat them on opening night. Then the trilogy's in the Super Bowl in Vegas. Right? <laughs> Dude, that's how you build a story. That's how television executives build TV stories. Mahomes wins the Super Bowl against the Eagles. Eagles on opening night ruined the dropping of the banner ceremony at Arrowhead. Then you play the third one in the Super Bowl versus the Chiefs in Vegas. Super Bowl 58. There, I just put a television show together for you. And a reality television show for you. I want the rematch, man. I want them dudes. Let's go get them. The only way you're going to fight. Hey, I'll tell you this. Jalen Hurts beats Patrick Mahomes on opening night. Then you're going to really start doing this. I'll say it to you. Fuck the money. The guy's now in there. <laughs> He'd be Mahomes. That's right there, man. Now you're starting to go like this. Okay. Then everybody in Philadelphia and in the front office at the Novacare Center go, I told you so. You don't want to start with Washington. I don't care about Washington, man. I care about beating the Chiefs. I care about beating Aaron Rodgers, the Jets. I care about beating Josh Allen. I want to beat them dudes. Then, I, most importantly, you put the Cowboys again on their heels. The Eagles are separating themselves from the Cowboys so much so, man. Every single day, Dallas gets further in the rearview mirror. I do. They just get further in the rearview mirror. And I think Dallas didn't have a bad offseason. 
I, I don't. By the way, that Thursday night game, I don't know if it'll get a hundred million. Okay, but it, it 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 could get it could be the most watched regular season game of the year. And then get this. How about that Cowboy game? If the Cowboys are undefeated, the first Cowboy game against Philly, and both are undefeated, holy shit, Eagles would be the most watched. If they beat the Chiefs, the Eagles could be the most watched football team next to the Cowboys all year long. Beating Washington means nothing. Beating the Chiefs will send a message. You know what it also do? And you're right, Greenblood. You know what it also do? It will also send vibes into the locker room. Holy shit. We're better this year than we were a year ago. Half of this game is belief and being inspired and having blind faith. You know, you know, Greenblood, I, I tell this story all the time. You know, when I talk to teams, like when I talk to teams, all this and that, right? I say this to them, you got to have blind faith. And some of you know the story that I tell them. I tell people, how many in here believe in God? Half the team, a majority of the team will put their hand up and go, I believe in God. Well, you have that blind faith. You're going to heaven and that there's an afterlife, which I believe. Okay, which I believe. I believe in blind faith for God. Because I believe that there's a life after. I believe in God. I'm raised in a very, very Catholic family. But when you, when you, when you trust your coach, it's blind faith. You got to believe your coach is going to get you to the promised land. You got to believe what your coach is saying to you is going to help you win. It's blind faith. You got to believe in it. All of a sudden, when you start to see what they've been preaching to you, it becomes infectious. When I played for Jimmy Johnson and I started seeing all the things he was teaching us and how I saw them start to really transform in front of me there, I, I was, you're like possessed. You become possessed. You, you never believe you're out of a game. You always believe you're the best on the field. That's what winning does. Losing too. How many times, hey, I, I've never been in a situation like I was when I was in college and then when I went to the Buccaneers. I had never seen a defeated organization until I got into one. And I was shocked, actually. I was stunned. I was stunned. I couldn't believe professional guys who got paychecks quit as fast as they did. I couldn't believe it. I had come from a place where losing was not tolerated, nor did we ever. I got to the Bucks. We'd be in the second quarter of a game and we're down 10. Team would quit. And I'm like, holy shit. I could not believe it. That I was in an environment like that. I want to see opening night, Kansas City and Philly. And the offseason. See, personally, I think actually Kansas City, Kansas City, um, I don't know who they drafted. I mean, I don't their draft, when I look at Kansas City's draft, I go like this. Okay, I guess. 
Okay, I mean, I guess. Let's make sure. Hey, all that. The field is slippery. Joshua, really? Don't go. Hey, now you sound like Niner guy. <laughs> well, you know, Sills, the Arizona field wasn't that hot. Spider Rico. <laughs> Got to beat the best to be the best. That's right, Joe. Who's your, oh, you should have seen me last night. I won. Who'd you fight, Rock? Spider Rico. He's a bum. You think everyone I fight's a bum? Why die? I thought Spider Rico was dead. <laughs> you guys don't want to play Spider Rico. You guys want to play the Chiefs, dude. Lesser opponent with this Eagles team. Announce our presence with authority. That's right. <laughs> I come to announce my presence, my presence with authority. <laughs> hey, this guy's giving me a nuclear line. <laughs> Wait a minute, Chris. Are you giving me a Bull Durham line? You know, it's, it's very hard to, to fool Sills on movie lines. Gonna announce my presence with authority. <laughs> this guy's giving me a Luke Lanouche line. <laughs> you want to do what? <laughs> Spider Rico, Niner, right? Fighting Spider Rico. I want to fight the champion. <laughs> I got to watch Rocky tonight. Only watch Rocky one. Two's okay. The thing against the Russian guy sucked. Tommy Morrison, I knew him. He's a good dude. I don't know. The rest of them, I love Rocky one and two. You know, I'm all right with Rocky two. You know, I'm all right with that. But the rest of them, I don't know. But like I said, the Russian guy. I See, I love Apollo Creed too. So open with KC on prime time would be spectacular. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. This guy's giving me Bull Durham lines. All right. I'll, hey, I promise we're going to get to these. Top 10 best off seasons. CBS has ranked, and I don't agree with them, the best draft classes. Rocky Five is the worst, but I love them all. They're addicting. They are. Real quick on the Rocky movies. So back in the um, 80s, Tone, everyone, and I know you guys love the Rocky movies. Sylvester Stallone's a Miami Hurricane. And he went to the University of Miami. And so um, uh, I think Ray Liotta did too, by the way. And so Burt Reynolds and him used to be there for the Miami FSU games. And this is how I met Burt Reynolds, super dude. By the way, Burt Reynolds used to do the coaches show with Bobby Bowden. He lived in Tallahassee. He, he lived in Tallahassee, man. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, he used to, but back in the day in the eighties, Burt Reynolds used to do like the Bobby Bowden show and he'd be hosting it with coach Bowden. And it was incredible that all of a sudden you, you would see um, Burt Reynolds showing up to these Canes FSU games and he'd be there. All of a sudden he'd come over and all the Miami guys, you know, we didn't know if we should introduce ourselves, but coach Bowden brought him over. And Jimmy didn't have a problem with it. It was hours before the game. So we got a chance to meet Burt Reynolds. And he'd come over, shake our hands. We'd shake his hands. Then Sylvester Stallone started showing up. And so we like, hey, we got Rocky here, man. So it was all good. So Rocky would sit on our sidelines. He would come into the locker room. 
and he would tell me how he made the movie. So check it out. So he he wrote it. And I think it was the Chuck Webner fight. He he knocked Ali down in like the first round or something in a fight. I think it was Chuck Webner. And it inspired him to write this to write this script. So he wrote this he wrote the entire script himself. You know, he said this, you know, the clothing that you see in the movie, those were all his. <laughs> they had no money for wardrobe. They had none of that. They, they, had, they had no money. So all the people wore their own clothes. And he wrote this thing. I think actually Chuck Webner got money a couple of years ago because it was like inspired by him. And Chuck Webner knocked down Ali and then Ali tore him up, of course. It's okay. It's it's yeah. It's loosely based on Chuck Webner. Webner hit him, knocked Ali down. You got to remember something. Ali getting knocked down in a fight. I'm thinking. I think only Frazier had knocked Ali down in a fight. Frazier is the only guy that knocked him down. That was in one, in '71, at the Garden. He knocked him down. Ali was never cut in a fight, and. He got knocked down in that fight, and it was a big deal. He gets up, beats the piss out of him. I think they stopped the fight. Okay, I think they stopped the fight. But but um, Stallone says, yeah, that's I I kind of got inspired. Um, Apollo's definitely the Ali type of character. Absolutely, I believe we will have a functional defense this year. Jonathan Gannon was all over the place. He was weapon. Hey. Just so you know, Ali would show up to the University of Miami practices because Angelo Dundee had his um, had his uh, um, he had his gym in South Florida. We're sitting there, and there's a ton of pictures with Ali doing this. Muhammad Ali shows up to our. That's why we were all big mouths. He was our he was our idol. Ali's my favorite. He's my favorite athlete of all time. Muhammad Ali, there's nobody else I love more than Ali. Talk shit, backed it up, killed you. <laughs> there's nothing better than that. He's my he's my favorite. Hey, a story he told us though about Frazier, because Frazier, Frazier made Philadelphia. I think Frazier's from Alabama or Georgia. I think he was born there, but obviously he lived his life um, in Philadelphia. When Ali was barred from fighting. He went down to Philadelphia a couple of times and he, you know, got money from Joe. Joe, when Joe won the heavyweight championship, I forget who he beat. Maybe it was Ellis who he beat for the title. Joe Frazier used to give Muhammad Ali money. And if it really wasn't for Frazier taking that fight in 71 and agreeing to it, I don't know what would have happened to Muhammad Ali. But um, yeah, Joe Frazier had a lot to do with Ali getting that Madison Square Garden paid to, I think both fighters, get this, both fighters in 71 got 5 million bucks a piece. Okay. Think about what that thing would be worth today in 71. They both got like $5 million a piece because of the pay-per-view. It was the first pay-per-view fight that was put in like movie theaters. Frazier had a lot to do with that. Frazier used to give Muhammad Ali money. And Ali told us that. He goes, I know some of the stuff you see with Frazier. And Jimmy used to bring all the great fighters in. 
the Beast Mugabe, uh, Hector Camacho. He brought uh, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez. Jimmy was a big fight fan, and he would bring all these boxers into ha Marvin Hagler. There's a picture of me and Marvin Hagler on the internet with Jimmy and all them guys. Marvin Hagler came down when he right before he fought Tommy Hearns, and he came down talked to us. Jimmy liked us talking to boxers, but when Ali showed up, closed circuit, that's what it was, Joe. You're right. Ali would show up at our practices, and he you could see the Parkinson was starting to set in. I tell my daughter all the time this. Tone, that guy you see in the end, what a damn shame, man. The number one thing that they took away from him wasn't his career, was his ability to be an order. I've never seen anybody to this day that just was so brilliant and such a revolutionary guy, and yet he never used his political beliefs in his sport. Ali never protested in the ring. You see how guys like Kaepernick take a knee on the field? Or you see how those guys were taking knees on the basketball court? Ali never took a knee in the boxing ring. He never disrespected his sport or his opponent. That's what separated him. He was two people. And at the end, he was right, and he became one of the most revered people. That's what made him, I mean, this guy I think had a 12th grade education. He would talk to us, and Jerome and all of us are sitting there, Alonzo Highsmith, we're sitting there listening to Muhammad Ali. And I go like this, dude, this is something that you get taught at Harvard is listening to this guy. He'd come into our team meeting room. It's tiered like this. And we're sitting here and Ali would come in for 40 minutes, 50 minutes, telling us about his life and his journey. And we're all just sitting there. You couldn't hear a pin drop. And we're listening to this. And I look over at Danny Stubbs or whomever I'm going, this is fucking awesome. Nobody would believe this. <laughs> Muhammad Ali's in here. For like the fourth time of the year, Jimmy had him come in. We're sitting there listening to him. I'm like, this is unbelievable. Oh, we all got a chance to shake his hand. <sighs> Sills, what wrestlers were you around New Japan? Tony Onoki. <clears throat> Otoro Gotti was good. Hey, Mara, here at Ali, talk to you. I mean, he, he he the reason why he loved I love telling the Ali stories. I go, man, did you really? He goes, Hey, I had to convince myself when I fought Liston and Foreman. It wasn't about scaring them. It was about convincing me. And I said this, I go, so you hyped yourself up. And he goes, Yeah. I I talked it. To a point where I believed it. We all looked at one another. No wonder we talked so much shit. Because that's what we did. We had so much confidence because we bragged so much. And because we talked to people. We were public. Dude, go back and look. I got things out there going like this. Brian Bosworth's the most overrated. This is before the game. Brian Bosworth's the most overrated linebacker in the country. He couldn't make our team. This is before the game. Guys didn't talk like that back then. That's the most overrated football team I've ever seen. We're going to kill that team. 
This is before games. <laughs> it was his influence. He loved it. Oh, man. He loved it. Yeah, what do you think? Broadcasting brought it out? Yeah, you're right, man. I got a break. I got to take a time out. Promise you, best off seasons and drafts. We're going to hit on that. I could talk. I'm sorry, Tone. I could talk about Muhammad Ali for hours. <laughs> and, and being, I, I'm, I must have been around him the three years I was at UM. He must have come by and I go to the gym. I got an Angelo Dundee. I got, a, I got an item signed by him. I'll show it to you next. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. Appreciate you guys coming aboard, please. 
Hit the like button. By the way, Brian Baldinger tomorrow, Ice Cube will join us on Thursday at 5.30 Eastern. Appreciate all you guys coming aboard. So there's Muhammad Ali's signature, and there's Angelo Dundee. His daughter put this book together. And Angie used to come on my radio show when I was in Tampa. He moved up to Tampa from Miami. And it chronicled um, Angelo. Holy cow, I never noticed it. This is uh, Angelo signed this, and so did Muhammad Ali. They signed this. Angelo, uh, what's his name? Leroy Neiman? Leroy Neiman? He signed it too. George Plimpton and Muhammad Ali signed it. Holy cow. Leroy Neiman signed it here. I, 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 it's funny. Sometimes when I open these things, I, I, I opened up, my daughter opened up a book and goes, dad, Barry Bond signed this book for you. I'm going like, what? Um, I, I, I never know that. I never noticed they signed it. Yeah, they all signed it. Sayer 74, Angelo Dundee Ali, George Plimpton, Leroy Neiman. Leroy Neiman there. I'm sorry, I'm looking. I I, I never noticed it. Ali signed it here. The shit I have. Is it crazy? <laughs> Phil goes, I think Sills had Cube on last year. Cube was on three times last year, my friend. Ice Cube comes on all the time. Sills, what seasoning do you want on your chicken wing? The, the, the purdy spice will do. Don't you think, Cosmo? The purdy spice. The purdy spice, you know, it's not quite that spicy, you know. It's just, get the purdy spice. Forte goes, I bought Cube's first album when it dropped. Hey, Forte, I always bring it up, just like a Miami hurricane. I think he's rapping about Big Seal's hurricanes back in the 80s. Okay? The Reddick spice. <laughs> Hit the like button. Hey, you see Jermur? Hey, oh, hey, by the way, something that we brought up here on this program last year. And get this, remember Meryl Reese had to go on Angelo's show to kind of like put it put it to bed. Well, Zach Ertz admitted that he came this close to being a Buffalo Bill. And he admitted that he was so close to being a Bill. And I guess the Eagles had told him you're going to be a bill, but then they ended up moving them to Arizona, but it was a true story. So when Merrill was saying he's going to be a Buffalo bill, he was, he knew something. My grandmother used to cook for Ali when he was a kid. 
him and my uncle used to go to school together here in Louisville. Oh my God, man. You know who else is from Louisville? My coach, Howard Schnellenberger. Howard Schnellenberger's from Louisville along with um, the guy who played in Green Bay, Paul Horning. They're like Louisville dudes. The guy who's like the head of the Churchill Downs and the, uh, uh, the sports commission is a former Miami Hurricane too. Commander's trying to bring luck out of retirement. So Jim Mersey, Jim Mersey's like, hey, stay away from my boy. <laughs> Dude, that guy, man. When, when you want to, hey, when you want to trade for him, you drafted a quarterback. When you want to try to get your first round draft choice, if Andrew Luck came out of retirement, I would go like this to the commanders. Hey, I'll tell you what, I'll give you the rights to talk to Andrew Luck. You want to try to bring him out of retirement? You got to give me three first rounders. That's how old is Andrew Luck today? How old is that guy? Is he is, is, he can't be that old? How old is Andrew Luck? He's 33. I'm good, man. Yeah, if you can get a first if you can get a first rounder for Aaron Rodgers at 40, tone you're going to have to give me three. You're going to have to give me three for Andrew Luck. Why wouldn't Ursay go, you want him? Maybe that's what he is telling him. Stampering. Got to go through us first. See, when you retire, that club still owns your rights. Unless you do what Breeze and the uh, Saints did. They cut all ties. Like, like Brady is not – Brady retired, but he retired a free agent. He wasn't under contract still with the Buccaneers. So that thing had been – Brady could go anywhere right now. So if they wanted to talk to him, I'll tell you what, if you're Washington, do you call Brady? Got some pretty good tools there. Would you go Washington? What if the 49 – I've got a feeling the 49ers are going to call Brady. I think they're going to call Brady. Purdy's not going to be ready. Trey Lance sucks. They're going to go to they're going to go to Tom Brady and go like this. Yo dog. Just come home, play where you're you were born. You can win a Super Bowl. Tom Brady goes to San Francisco. They'll win the Super Bowl. Brady had a pretty good year last year. I know some of you don't think he did. He did. Brady had a pretty good year last year. I don't care what you think. Led the NFL in attempts and completions. How can they afford him? Easy. Brady sets the mark. Brady doesn't have to overcharge you here. They don't need $55 million to get Brady into um, San Francisco. Why wouldn't you do that if you're San Fran? If you're the 49ers, you have everything. And then you tell Brady this, hey, I'll give you a five-year contract at – why, see, why couldn't you do this? Brady's done. See what Joseph says? Let's see how accurate – let's see how accurate – let's see how accurate he is when he says Brady's done. Tom Brady's stats – So let's just take a look at that. He says he's done. So Tom Brady last year threw for 
67 completion percentage. Was that higher than Jalen? He threw for 46.94. See what the numbers were exactly. He had 400, you know, it's 733 attempts, 490 completions. He completed more footballs than Jalen threw. 67 completion percentage. 4,700 yards. He threw for more touchdowns than Hurts. Nine picks. Tom Brady had a better year last year passing the ball than Jalen Hurts did. I don't know how you don't look at it. That's a fact. There's not one statistic. As a passer, Jalen had more. How did Jalen have a better year than him? Brady's done? Brady's old line was done. Tom Brady's not done. Brady had a better season than Hurts. Now, I would say this. With the amount of passes and completions, pretty high volume and only nine. Get this. This guy threw the ball almost a thousand times and only had nine picks, and he's done? (laughs) I'll take that. I'll take that. Tom Brady threw the ball almost a thousand times and only had nine picks. Jalen threw the ball. 435 times, 25 times, and had six picks. This guy almost threw the ball twice as many times and had almost the same amount of picks as Hertz did. And he's done? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Now that's a good one, Inferno. Brady doesn't want to end up in the infirmary. (laughs) Okay. They can't protect him. I'm not going there, 215. Okay, hey, Big Seals will say a lot. That's actually funny. I will not repeat that. <laughs> hey, hey, Tone, I will not repeat. Show enough, 215. I will not repeat that. <laughs> funny, but I will not do that. <laughs> oh, man. Shanahan will get him killed. Probably so. Brady in Miami or in San Fran? Could you see Tom Brady just doing this? Hey, you need me for the playoffs? I'll play four games. Right? I'll do four games. Why not? Pay me five million a game. <laughs> I'm good. So as you asking for the GOAT special. <laughs> yeah, extra purdy sauce. <laughs> um Number 10 looks like a taller version of Brady. He looks pretty good, man. Brock Purdy's old man's a hurricane, too, believe it or not. All right, let's get into um, the 10 best teams that had the best offseasons. You tell me if you guys agree with this. I thought about this last night as we were putting this together here. What 10 teams have had the best offseasons? I wrote these teams down. Number 10, Seahawks. They got the OSU wide up. They got Devon Witherspoon. They got a defensive tackle. 
Gino had a really good year. I'll tell you something, John Schneider and Pete Carroll, would this be a fair comment? Um, I think John Schneider and Pete Carroll are doing a better job in Seattle than what Belichick is doing in New England. Poster future Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Is that fair? Russell Wilson leaving Seattle. Pete's actually got the organization on a good road. Belichick, on the other hand, it's bumpy. It's bumpy at minimum in New England. You know what I mean? I mean, Pete looks like, it, let's not forget, hey, Yale, think about this, for instance. Who left that New England team with all those players on it when Belichick took over? Who brought in all those players in New England? Do you guys remember who the head coach was? Who brought all those players into New England? Okay. I guess Sills was tired of death threats from Eagle fans. Not no, Niner. I'm acknowledging the great offseason they're having. That's all. One thing Big Sills doesn't do, dog. My takes are in stone. No, that's not the case. They've had a really good offseason. You want me to lie? Do you want me to lie? It was Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll was the guy. Okay? Pete brought all them dudes in. Skid goes, hey, Dan, do you think that because of Hurts, Howie, and Jeffrey make it? Jeffrey, that it makes the Eagles an attractive destination for players? I do. I think also, too, Skid, the fact that, get this, they're, they're paying them. They're producing. Okay? I, 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 I totally do. Okay, I think it's a great destination. Yes, I do. I think Seattle's doing a great job. John Schneider is one of the better general managers. Um, he, Howie Roseman, uh, Veach, I think those guys are really good GMs. Chicken wing purdy. <laughs> I like it. I think the Texans at nine have had a pretty good offseason. Um. All the guys that they ended up trading and moving up around in the draft, they got two centerpiece guys in Stroud and Will Anderson. Um, Nick Casario, the general manager, looks like he wants to stay there. I think Seattle's doing a hell of a job. Really a great job in building that team up. Now, to me, the, the problem that I have with the Texans is the McNair family. I think the McNair family gets in the way. Now the old man's not around any longer, but you know, they're 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 really weird in how they do things, man. I think they got like a preacher in there that's like their capologist guy. It's a really weird dynamic that they have in the building there. And I'm I'm a believer in Nick Casario. I like him. Okay, I like him. So I think the Texans have had a really good offseason here. 
I think the Giants at eight have had a good offseason. I think they've had a good draft. They got that Deontay Banks kid from Maryland. They brought in Waller from the Raiders. Um, I still think they need to do some work in their old line. Maybe free agency coming up. But they need some more work in that offensive line. I still think the problem that the Giants have had the last seven years has clearly been the issue in their old line. Uh, and I've been telling you this, Gettleman left them in ruin, man. It just comes down to really getting that old line right. And and also, too, Yale's right. It's it's about the development of the quarterback. Is is he gonna elevate his game? Is is Daniel Jones gonna elevate his game to really live up to the contract that you just gave him? Because he's gonna account for a lot of those cap hits. He he's almost gotta outplay Jalen. You see the cool thing about Jalen Hurts, even though you're this is what I love about the Hurts contract. It's not going to kill you two times. Dimes will kill you two times. In the cap hit and how much you're paying them. If hypothetically, hypothetically, say Jalen doesn't play well for a stretch. Okay, so you're overpaying him. But at least he's not killing your roster. Daniel Jones has the entire giant roster in his hands. If he doesn't play well, he kills the roster and you're overpaying him. Worst combos you can have. Because if he sucks, you still have to rip the team apart because of the cap hits. You 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 can't you can't have hurts you just do this. Ah shit, we're overpaying him. We're overpaying him. At least he's not doing this. Well, we got to get rid of AJ. Or we got to get rid of Devontae, the pay the guy. That's not how this is working out. How he has constructed it where it's not a double-edged sword that if Hurts doesn't play well, and they got a three-year out, third year they could basically walk out of the contract. Okay? Yeah, two years you could cut bait and get the hell out of down. The Giants, man, had those hits against the cap. You're going to kill that team. Most most of these GMs now, I'm telling you, Eric DaCosta coming out today going, yeah, I didn't do a good enough job. You know why he didn't do a good enough job? Because he's watching what Roseman's doing. He didn't do enough. He didn't do a good enough job, not only putting players on the team, but constructing the cap. See, this is how I think Howie does this. I think Howie looks at that cap and says, what can I do in the confinements? How can I get more money? You know, there's, is, doesn't he act a little bit like Billy Bean? The Oakland A's former GM. I think he's an executive now with the A's. Doesn't he act kind of like that now? He looks at it like this. Well, I can't pay Javon Hardgrave $20 million. But I can give Fletcher Cox 10 and feel good with it. Then he looks at CJ and goes like this, you know, I'm not paying a guy $6 million, okay? But I'm going to get some quality guys in and maybe a guy who's a better safety and knows the position more than Gardner Johnson and does better in play fits and run stops. And maybe we get it there and I'll pay less. Look at how he deals. Look at how he's replacing 
Look at how he's replacing 1,300 yards in your backfield. It's kind of like the Jason Giambi conversation in Moneyball. What do we have to replace? 38 homers and 120 RBIs. Or 42 homers and 138, 128 RBIs. How do you do it? Well, guys who are six yards a carry, guys, if healthy, can play and are productive, and guys who can help us in the passing game a little more. That, to me, is kind of like Moneyball. At certain positions, how he plays Moneyball, linebacker, he gets his money. How he gets his money from linebackers, safeties, and running backs. That's how he gets more money for corners, edge rushers, left tackles, and wide receivers, and his quarterback. So there's there's a version of Moneyball that he plays. How can I replace those? Can I replace 1,300 yards with four dudes paying him a million bucks a piece? If the answer is yes, he's going to go down that route. And that's where he saves. And plus, he creates depth that way. It's kind of smart. Now, not, not, now look, your two tackles offensively, the equity you spent in draft choices with your tackles, the money you spend at your corners, those are premium positions. But he plays a form of money ball with that roster. It's pretty brilliant because that's kind of what, you know, because Billy Bean, he knew what went out of the gate. If you don't, if you try to beat the Yankees in the boardroom, when you're constructing a roster, there's not a chance you're going to beat the Yankees on the field because they're going to run you off the field. You can't replace them. You're going to get beat and eaten up. So what he did was he replaced it with a group of players that got the same on-base percentage, and he also got the same RBIs and home run production, but he used three guys. I like it. That's the analytics of today. Billy Bean was kind of like the first guy to create analytics like that. Okay? See, now, Cosmo, if Christian McCaffrey goes down, they don't have a collection of backs in San Francisco like they do in Philadelphia. And on top of that, the 49ers gave up draft picks for Christian McCaffrey. So you lose there in rebuilding your team if he's injured and often injured. Hey, he was great last year when he got to San Francisco. But you've got all your equity built up in one guy. If he goes down, that's a big hit. If DeAndre, I mean, if, if, if Rashad Penny goes down, you still got DeAndre Swift. Makes sense? So at certain positions, it looks like he's playing Billy Bean Moneyball. He goes by committee. I, I, I love Nolan Smith. Chris, I mean, there's a lot to like about him. Okay? Dan was the reason that San Francisco Winers having only 10 players on the field that made Dumbo fumble in the championship game, injuries are part of football. Yeah, you can whine all you want. Your coach can't protect your quarterbacks. Never has. Never will. He can't hit two things that Kyle Shanahan can't do. Protect leads and quarterbacks. It's on his resume. 
It's 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 who Kyle Shanahan is now. Can't protect quarterbacks or leads. I don't know. We don't have a you you do Niner you do you do and you got a pretty damn good old line. Let me move up here. The team, the seventh best team that's had the seventh best offense or offense are offseason. I say the Broncos. Zach Allen, they didn't have a first rounder. They did some pretty decent things in the draft. I think Denver's going to make a surprise comeback. I do. Hey, hey, Niner, you do. You have a collection of backs. You guys are pretty good. You guys can run the ball. Okay, you can. Dumbo Samuel, Max, how much freaking whining is he going to do? Well, we only played with 10 guys. Dude, shut up. He got beat. What do you think this is politics? There's no crying in football. Shut up. Just shut up, dude. You're going to have another crack at him. Stop whining. These wide receivers today, man, I, I, I miss the days of Jack Tatum and John Lynch and Cam Chancellor, where they just knocked the living shit out of these guys and, and just shut their pie holes. I, I miss those days, those guys. You know, wide receivers back in the day, man, they were like church, church mice. They, they didn't make any noise. Not because of defenseless receiver. Guy gets the shit knocked out of him or you see a couple snot bubbles out of him. The guy whines and moans and cries because they're a part of the game now because they're fantasy football and Hell, the owners don't want anybody who has a fantasy guy like Debo Samuel, you know, taken out of the game because he is the league's, one of the league's betting guys. You don't want him gone. They make up these crazy ass rules for him. Really, man. Sue's like, this guy's crying five months after the fact. Get over it, dog. She left you. She hates you. She's dating your best friend. They're drinking out of they're drinking out of your favorite cup. Right, Sue? Your best friends over at your chick former chick's house. And your boys drinking out of your favorite cup. <laughs> and he's sitting there watching TV and they're drinking and she he's drinking out of your favorite cup and you're looking in the window like you're OJ. Damn, man. Guy sitting on my couch drinking out of my favorite cup. <laughs> Her new boo is wearing your favorite slippers. Right. Absolutely, man. You know the you know the slippers with like the dog's dog ears on them? Homeboy's wearing them before he goes and puts them under her bed. <laughs> And you know, hey, and you know what's on those slippers? 31 to 7. <laughs> 31's on the left foot, 7's on the right foot. <laughs> Big old ears, you know, you got the shoes on, man, because you don't want dirty feet. I hate dirty feet, man. Can't stand it. I'm like Steve Jobs. I'll stick my feet in anywhere, man. I can't stand dirty feet. Okay? Hate dirty feet. Never climb into bed. If I ever see a chick with 30 feet, I'm out. <laughs> Can't have it, man. No 30 feet. Homeboy's drinking out of your cup. It's got like a... Debo's like, man, 
guy's drinking out of the guy's drinking out of my Joe Montana cup. <laughs> Holy shit. He's wearing my pooch, my pooch sandals. Those are my slippers. Sitting in your favorite chair, too. She's sitting on his lap. Not good. He slips those shoes under her bed. Then, then you sit there in the morning and you're drinking his OJ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh yeah and the cable bill is still in your name <laughs> the cable bill is still in your name Dumbo Samuel <laughs> uh, let me finish this one up here man I think, the, hey, that's the best off seasons. I got Seahawks at 10, Texans at 9, Giants at 8, Broncos at 7. I think the Steelers have had a hell of an offseason at 6. Did a really nice job. They got Joey Porter in a ladder round. I like that kid, Broderick Jones, from uh, Georgia. Um, number 5, I think the Bears are doing a decent job. Edmonds, Nate Davis. They got the Tennessee offensive tackle. I think they've done a nice job, man. Let's see if they can put it together. I think the Panthers have done a nice job. They get their quarterback, Miles Sanders. We'll see if that was a one-year thing on the radar. I got the Eagles at three. I think they've done a hell of a job. I got the Lions at two. Even though, you know, I may change that. Eagles two. Lions three. Because the guy Campbell and Gibbs, really? I don't I don't know. You draft a linebacker and a running back in the first round. Okay. I, I I'm gonna put the Eagles two. I'll put the Lions three. I think the Jets. I think the Jets have had I'll tell you what, Joe Douglas has done a whale of a job since he's become the general manager. Okay. I think he's done a whale of a job since he's taken over. Now he got, now he has his quarterback. They put the best quarterback in the building since Namath. Um, Seals bet that Garoppolo is happy that Shanahan can't break him anymore. Cosmo. Yeah. Plus Jimmy G in Vegas. (laughs) Holy cow. I guarantee it is Cosmo. He's just not making Subway sandwiches in Vegas. The guy's still single, too. Go figure that. Jimmy G. (laughs) Hey, Jimmy G ain't eating Subway sandwiches in Las Vegas, homeboy. (laughs) That ain't happening. I feel like the Jets should have drafted another weapon. What if they get DeAndre Hopkins up there? Cowboys might be number one. Really? You think they had that great an offseason? Brandon Cooks? Okay. You're gonna you're gonna overpay CD Lamb? I don't know. Hey, I will we got one more thing to hit on. CBS ranked the best draft classes. I completely disagree with this. Weapon says we got the best year for Miles because it was his contract year. Guys put out great years when the contract is coming. Uh, I think he's a one year wonder too. All right, hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show.
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, got fake them Mama, go up, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. I'm going to give you a Jalen Hurts secret here in a second. I learned this over the weekend. I have a Jalen Hurts secret. <clears throat> um, I loved what went on with the mini camps. We said that. I really do. I'm going to get to what CBS looked at, the top 10 draft classes. I completely disagree with this. But I'm going to give you a little insight to Jalen Hurts here. So I talked to Philip Rivers over the weekend. <clears throat> Do you know how much Philip Rivers talks to Jalen Hurts on a basis like uh, once a month? Is Hassan going to teach Nolan how to get off the bus? 
Hey, with, without a doubt, there's no question. There is no question right now that uh, you're looking at a position where Hassan Reddick right now and Nolan Smith are going to be arm in arm with one another here. Okay. They're going to be arm in arm with each other here. So make no mistake about that. They're already, I've already heard Nolan Smith saying that they're going to be sitting around doing all that. But how about this? Yale. There's there's a conversation that's going around that Jalen has a conversation with Philip Rivers, and he calls him up when he's watching game film on him from the Chargers and when he was also in Indianapolis. And he talks to Philip Rivers quite a bit, quite a few times a month when he's talking about Reed's progressions. His mentor is his mentor is Philip Rivers. That's who Nick Sirianni looks at. Okay? So they're both talking. Okay? They're talking. So it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing to hear that he's doing it, and I think that's awesome as well. Seals has – Seals Hurts has developed a friendship with Peyton Manning too. They speak pretty often. Yeah, but Eagle fan, the guy that the guy that he coached and the guy who was the wide receiver coach and the offensive coordinator was Frank Reich and was Nick Sirianni. And also Shane Steichen was also on the coaching staffs, especially in Indianapolis. And all these guys spent a lot of time around Phillip. Phillip and Hertz have a lot of conversations. If I could do that to help me become better, he's lucky. Absolutely. But you know what else, too? I think what's important is that you got a player who's constantly reaching out to try to become better by understanding what you see and what the coaches are telling you. It's one thing to hear from Nick Sirianni. It's another thing to hear it from Phillip Rivers. Why? Because in-game, when you're watching film, you want to know what Phillip Rivers is saying. What's the one key that you see out there? What's the one thing you see? Okay, what's the one thing you see? I love that. I don't know why people don't like to give Philip Rivers his just due. He he carve you up in the air, then shit talk you. You know, hey, Tone, you know the kind of shit talking he has. Here's the kind of shit talking that Philip Rivers has. Hey, man, God's gonna come down here. And he's going to make me whoop you. He never swears. He never swears. Hey, I'm going to kick your backside if you don't watch out over here. Lord's going to come down and help you out here now. Dude, he doesn't swear. Philip Rivers is a very religious man. He does not swear. But he talks more trash than anybody. It's weird. Most of the time, trash talkers are like, I'm going to kick your effing ass. This guy's like this. Hey, hey, hey. Holy gosh. I love that. Rivers talk shit without cussing. <laughs> I don't I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> I, 
I, I, I didn't know that was possible. See, I like to keep it real. Hey, boy, the Niner guys, man, I can't wait for that game again this year. I can't. All right, let me get to, here are the teams. That according to CBS had the 10 best off seasons or excuse me, draft classes. We just did off season. And this is according to CBS. Number 10, the Los Angeles Chargers. I think they got the kid, Quentin Johnson, the kid from TCU. It's coaching and ownership though. It's coaching and ownership. Um, number nine, the Denver Broncos. Which quarterback will have sack syndrome? <laughs> Denver, wide receivers, they brought in. They drafted some pretty good people there. So they say the Broncos. This is according to CBS. Chargers 10, Broncos 9. Number 8, the Giants. Deontay Banks did some stuff in the offensive line. Number 7, the Buffalo Bills. I think they got the kid Kincaid, the tight end from Utah. Chicago at six, Donnell Wright. I like him. I think Tennessee. Number five, Detroit. Boy, expectations are high in Detroit. So CBS thinks drafting a linebacker and a running back who could have, my opinion, been in the second round. You had a good draft. Number four. Green Bay, Lucas Van Ness. That's a weird draft. By the way, the old man's weird slapping the guy's girlfriend on the ass, too. My daughter looked at me and went, you ever did that to me? I'd punch you in the eye. I'm like, really, man? Really weird. Father slapping Lucas Van Ness's chick on the ass. I was like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, dude. Might not be a good look there. Number three, Seahawks. They got the Ohio State wide receiver. They got Witherspoon. Number two, Pittsburgh. Um, Porter, Broderick Jones. And the number one team is the Indianapolis Colts by getting Anthony Richardson. This is according to CBS. The Eagles aren't even on this list. So you had the Chargers, Denver, Giants, 8, Buffalo, 7, Chicago, 6, Detroit, 5, Green Bay, 4, Seahawks, 3, Pittsburgh, 2, Indianapolis, 1. No Eagles on this list. No Eagles on this list, according to CBS. I mean, Richardson, he's a project. What was he, 52% completion percentage? Really? Pittsburgh? I think Pittsburgh had a good offseason. I think they had a good draft. Seahawks are killing it. 
No Eagles with stealing Carter? Some of those guys at CBS talk out of both sides of their mouths. I'm like, dude, so you – right. The people at CBS say Jalen Carter could have been the best player in the draft. Eagles get him at 10. That's not a good pick. And then you get Nolan Smith at 30. You don't think that's good? Then you get Ringo. I'm like, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, okay, the guy from Alabama, I don't know about either. He's kind of a finesse tackle. But I'm like, dog, I don't get it. Hey, by the way, tomorrow, Brian Baldinger will join us from the NFL Network. We will talk draft, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith. We will get his thoughts. Uh, Schedule two on Thursday is Ice Cube. He'll join us at 5.30 Eastern time, too. So we got a big week lined up for you here. Yeah, Sydney Brown from Illinois, too. I'm with you guys. Hey, guys, thank you guys so much for all you do. I totally appreciate everything that you guys do. Thank you again. Uh, Do me a favor, please. Hit the like button. Make sure you go back and watch the show again. Till tomorrow, 3 to 6 Eastern, we shall see you on the flip side. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.